Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz get it done. They get the win. Another road win. The streak continues. They haven't lost since, well, since they lost that game to Orlando. That was a long time ago. They got a nice stretch going here. Pick up another win on the road. And they beat the Nuggets, 115-109. Jokic goes off because... He's a joker, and he's really good. <laughs> 26 points, 21 rebounds. He had his, uh, I think, 11 assists. Uh, he had his triple-double. Um, but the Jazz get the win, and they do it without Rudy Gobert. So you're missing one of your two big stars. You're missing his backup, uh, Hassan Whiteside, and you're missing another rotation guy in Joe Ingles. Ingles was out. COVID protocols. Uh, Rudy's sick, but it's a non-COVID issue. And uh, Hassan Whiteside, well, he's had a concussion for a few games now ever since he got Hit across the uh, hit across the face, so Jazz are shorthanded. Jazz have to go to the small ball lineup. Jazz excel in the small ball lineup. Adoka Adoka has has to has to play, has to get the start, and he was all right. Uh, you'll hear Rudy Gay say, you know, he did his part. He contributed. Didn't get run off the floor. Gave him a few minutes, which is what they needed out of him. They needed a few minutes. Quinn started him. This is something that. Uh, you know, Jerry Sloan used to do. I think it's a basketball coaching trick, you know, one-on-one, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you have a guy who's young, inexperienced, going to be the weak link, play him in the minutes that have the, the least pressure and the least intensity. So he started him because guys are going to ease into the game in most cases. So if you can get four or five minutes out of him, great. So they did. And the small ball lineup played, played as well as we've seen it play. They didn't get punished too badly inside. They, they moved it. They scored well at the other end. Rudy Gay had 18 points off the bench. He had some threes. It was a night where uh, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Boyan did not shoot the three well. And with Rudy out of the lineup, or excuse me, with uh, Joe Ingles out of the lineup, that's, uh, you know, that's a lot of firepower, a lot of three-point shooting that isn't happening. And they didn't shoot it really well, which is okay because Denver shot it even worse. They were both low to mid-30s. Um, about 30% from the uh, three. Um, but what happened is Bogey went to the hole, and he went to the hole again and again and again and again, and he shot a bunch of free throws, and he ended up with 36 points. Had just a huge statistical game, which is great because they needed it. <laughs> they just didn't have that many other guys going. And also, Bogey and Royce O'Neal, I mean, clearly the pregame message was with Rudy out, you two have to hit the glass hard. You got to hit it hard. And they both went out and boarded and got a lot of rebounds. So the rebounds were basically a push um, between the Nuggets and Jazz. And when you're playing a small lineup as the Jazz is, that's a win. You know, if you can just split the boards there, that is good enough. And it was. And they got the victory. So that was a nice road win. I mean, Denver's not great. They're a 500 team. And we can sit here and talk about how shorthanded the Jazz are. But the Nuggets are shorthanded night after night after night. After night, they're missing two of their top three scores. They got the Joker, and that's great, and he's the MVP, and he's their guy, and he's their ace. But they need Jamal Murray, and they don't have him. And they need Michael Porter Jr., and they don't have him. And those two guys combined, I think, have played nine games this year because Jamal Murray hasn't played, and I think Porter's number is nine games. So they, they have been very shorthanded for a long time. So they got their own issues, and they're a 500-ish team. Um, the Lakers, the Clippers— the Nuggets, and I'm leaving somebody else out. Somebody else is bouncing around 500, just kind of hanging out there and not really uh, taking Oh, I think it's Dallas. Uh, not really taking off. Basically, fifth through eighth. Um, and so wherever the Jazz finish, one, two, three, four, 
Right now, it looks like they'll draw a 500-ish team. Now we've still got the trade deadline and buyouts, and we'll probably see more teams gutted by injuries. So, but as it stands now, whether you're one, two, three, four, or the West, you know you can put five, five, six, seven, eight in a hat and just mix it up because those those teams just keep keep bouncing around between those spots. They're a game or two over 500. They're a game or two under. They just keep going back and forth. So, nice win for the Jazz, though, on the road as they beat Denver, and they're 2-0 and on this trip, and now they're headed to Toronto Friday and the Pacers Saturday, back-to-back. It wraps up with Detroit on Monday. So, uh, back-to-back and then three games in four days to wrap this thing up. But, nice win for the Jazz. Um, you know, the flow of the game, it was tied after a quarter. The Jazz were... Uh, up, and then they were down there in the second quarter. They went to the locker room up by one at halftime. And then, as they often do, they took control in the third quarter. They came out. It was a great start to the third quarter. It was 57-56 at the half, and suddenly it was 70-60. to So right out of the locker room, 13-4 to run. The lead went up to 10. Denver never tied the game up or took the lead after that. They get it down to 6. The Jazz had pushed it up to 10. They get it down to 7. The Jazz pushed it up to 10. They did get it down to 4. Uh, in the final minute, uh, the Jazz hit a couple free throws and went by six. So there you go. All right, there's the there's the headline from uh, last night as the Jazz get the win. Obviously, the RSL sale that news broke uh, yesterday. There's a press conference coming up at noon today. David Blitzer is buying the team, and Ryan Smith is in the deal as well. Um, it sounds like, and we'll get some more details today. But Blitzer is the majority owner, uh, but Ryan will have a minority stake in this. Um, Blitzer will be the the, the governor and Ryan will be the alternate governor. So probably tells you how things are going financially there. So, you know, how aggressive are they going to be um, in player acquisition? How much money are they going to spend there? How much money do they want to spend in the stadium? The stadium's 13 years old. There's definitely some things that could be done there. Um, could put some luxury suites and some uh, some high-end seating in the, uh, in the north end there. Uh, they might go... Uh, safe standing there as well. Uh, there's a chance to put in some bunker suites like they did in the arena. Uh, I know Ryan uh, Smith, when this whole thing started about 16 months ago, was seen at the stadium and was touring the area precisely where the bunker suites would go. So I'm sure this has occurred to him. So press conference coming up today. That's uh, that's something to look forward to later today. We're going to take a break right now. we got the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. But next we're going to talk a little football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Stay with us. Let's bring in uh, Riley Jensen now, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, transfer portal news. Which linebacker should you fans be excited about? The high school mega superstar? The guy we don't know about who Kyle and his staff are developing who will turn into an NFL guy? Or somebody who's transferring in from Florida who had 89 tackles and was second on the team? Does it does it have to be does it have to be one or the other? Can you not be excited about all of them? Uh, right, you got to play by his rules. Haven't you learned that by now? <laughs> I mean, I just I'm I'm looking at it going, man. This is a position where they have two really mega stars. I mean, at middle linebacker, and they always produce good defensive play. And they need depth, and they need players. And when when you bring in linebackers, it's not like you're, it's not like a quarterback where only one guy can play. I'll bet you that all three of these guys contribute in one way or another. And so I, I think if you're University of Utah, you're just you're just excited in general about portals, about 
great high school linebackers about anybody that's in the program right now because they're, you know they're going to be developed and you know they're going to play good football. And yet, how surprised were you that the Utes had a quarterback throw for over, over 500 yards against them in a Rose Bowl? Well, that, that was... That was difficult for me because I, I, and I tweeted out, and I was totally wrong, but I, I tweeted out that they were, that they were going to win this game because they were winning the line of scrimmage. This was like in the second quarter. And I've just always seen, you know, Coach Sharif Shah, Coach Morgan Scally, these guys be able to figure out some sort of an answer to what was going on. And look, they were way shorthanded at DB, and I think it was just too much. It was it was too hard for them to be able to overcome. Now, you can make excuses for Ohio State. You can make excuses for Utah. That was a really fun football game to watch. Other than I got a little bit of flashbacks to my dating life, like twelve years ago. I mean, that's kind of what I felt like that game was like. <laughs> you know, you feel like you're doing great. You feel like you're winning. You feel like you have a chance, and then boom! Right at the last second, like you're you're not going to win. Oh, yeah, I so, thought like, it, man. You were getting to the end zone a bunch. I did too. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to take it all the way across the goal line. But you know, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. But metaphorically speaking, is what I was talking about. Me too. <laughs> sure. That was a very sure. predictable answer out of PK. You walked him into that. Sure, PK. I know. But you know, uh, that game, I, it, I know that there's been games like that for for other college football teams in the last five years. But man. That if you're a Utah fan, you had to have been feeling a myriad of emotions from, oh, my gosh, we're going to dominate to this team, to, uh-oh, what happened, to, oh, no, Cam Rising just got knocked out, to, oh, okay, this guy comes in, throws one of his first passes for a touchdown, to, oh, man, we just didn't have enough to stop, you know, that, that passing game. But, man, you just got to give a lot of credit. The, the way the season started to the way the season finished for the University of Utah, it's like, the first of the year, you, you can barely even remember the, the losses to San Diego State and the difficult start that they had. So BYU and Utah are combined 14-1 and against the Pac-12. And they were 500 in their other games, and that includes beating a couple of big sky schools, one apiece. So how much do you think that the local schools have really got something going, are on top of the world, are really ready to build on this and look out, and how much is, well, the Pac-12 had a bunch of teams with quarterback issues, a bunch of teams with interim coaches, and it was a down year, and they did what good teams should do. They they beat teams having a down year, but don't get too worked up about it. Well, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't think any of us have really known what to expect out of Pac-12. But it seems like every year we're going, oh, well, it was a down year for the Pac-12. And now I'm just kind of going, well, is, is this just what the Pac-12 is? Now that's not to say that that you know BYU is going to go undefeated every year against the Pac-12, and and same with the Utes going, you know, what was it, six and one or something like that against the Pac-12. But I just wonder if maybe we put the Pac-12 on a pedestal. It's just a little higher than what it is. Maybe it's just a notch down from what we thought it was, and that and that there's going to be opportunities for you know good G5 teams, you know teams like BYU and and, and other teams to be able to compete against Pac-12 teams uh, going forward in the future. I, I mean, 
I just don't I don't see it changing. I mean, you know, they used to call it the wacky whack. I think it's the wacky Pac-12. It's just crazy. Every single year, I have no idea what to expect. You have Oregon beating Ohio State at the beginning of the year, and then they lose to Stanford midway through the year, and then they get blown out by Utah twice at the end of the year. I mean, it's just it's. I have no idea how to get any consistency or to get a beat on any of these teams. Now, the one thing that I will say, and this is just this is me thinking outside the box. I do feel like the NIL has a chance, and like I said, it has a chance to help teams like UCLA and USC to build up their programs because there's a lot of money down there. There's a lot of companies that are down there. And I actually feel like the Pac-12 could like maybe balance out the rest of the country if NIL really takes over. I mean, what if United Airlines comes in and gives a kid a $250,000 a year stipend, you know, to represent their airline there at USC? I mean, it's a possibility, right? And all of a sudden, you're getting guys from, you know, that are flipping from Florida State to, to Jacksonville State. There has to be something going on as far as the NIL. It can't just be because you love Deion Sanders, right? So I'm just feeling like there could be an evening up in the Pac-12, especially with all the money that is in Los Angeles. And and I don't think it hurts the University of Utah because that's not what they built their program on. But I think that it could help USC and UCLA to maybe start picking off some of these top talents or maybe just some of these top talents that, are, that, that were right there in L.A. that were going all over the country to, to play football. Okay, but then how does that affect somebody like Utah? They can... Can they cash in on it? Because that's the next level that they need to go is, all right, it's been cool to develop these guys, but how about you getting some big-time studs like a Thibodeau who are destined from the NFL probably since the sophomore high school? Well, I think, I think there's two ways to survive in, in today's environment. It's, and one is NIL and two is winning. And right now, Utah's winning. I mean, they're, every, everywhere you turn and everywhere you look – to me, it just keeps getting better and better and better. I mean, look, I have a whole bunch of I have a whole bunch of friends from the University of Utah football team from my era. So you're talking like '97 to like 2000, and some of those guys have turned frankly to me and they're like, "Dude, I don't." And these guys are starters. These guys are contributors to the University of Utah teams back then. And we're not talking about terrible football teams. We're talking about teams that went to bowl games and competed hard and. And 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 even won Mountain West Conference championships, or I can't remember if they were, uh, they weren't whack back then, but Mountain West Conference championships, and they're looking at me and they're like, dude, I don't even know if I make this team, and I, and they're positive they don't make the two deep. And so when you look at the University of Utah football team, and when you look at those guys get off the bus, I mean, this is a different level of athletes. It's no different than me at Utah State. When I look at the level of athletes that are at Utah State. It's completely different than when I was there. It's completely different. And and BYU, I think you could make the same argument as far as athleticism. Now, you can always make arguments for like whether the teams were better, whether they came to better together better, or, or how those things happened. But there is no question right now across the state of Utah, and you can take this down to even like Weber State and Snow College and some of these teams that are that are winning a ton of football games as well. It is a different type of athlete that is stepping off of those buses to play in games than it's ever been in the state of Utah. And it's really fun to watch. And it's exciting to follow. 
and these guys are freaking studs. They're they're freak athletes, and we're just going to see more and more and more players right now, especially in this in this little window where Utah State, BYU, and Utah can really take advantage of the seasons that they've had. Where where you're going to see guys coming out of those programs and playing in the NFL and playing in the NFL for a long time. So that talent difference you talk of, well, that's the difference between Ohio State beating Utah 64 to 6 or whatever it was back in the 80s and now playing a 48 45 game. But there's still a lot of heavy lifting to be done when you see that the Utes had 17 four star, four or five star athletes and Ohio State had 65. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 it's never as bad as it seems, it's never as good as it gets. Like, there's always going to be something that you can improve. But I think, I mean, I think that whole deal, and I saw that statistic, I don't know if it was tweeted out or whatever, but um, that, that's a real compliment to the coaching, the coaching staff at the University of Utah. These guys are developing people. They're not even close to the amount of players that are going to Ohio State, but they're still winning, and they're still going to Rose Bowls. And for all intents and purposes, those guys, they had Ohio State on the ropes. And, and – and, I, you know, as I was thinking about it this weekend, I mean, we've got to give a lot of credit to Andy Ludwig, too. I mean, look at the since he's been back in the program, and then even if you go back to when he was in the program before, I mean, all he does is produces quarterbacks. All he does is produce offense. All he does is produce – I mean, I, I know I joke around about this, but we ran him out of town after the Sugar Bowl, and he averaged like 447 yards offense and like 37 points a game. And people were like, ah, we just – you know, we got we got to find a new offensive guy. You know, and now he's back, and he's developing quarterbacks like Huntley. He's now found and gotten to Cam Rising and really taking advantage of his talents and the way that he can play. I mean, they're doing some really really cool things offensively. For whatever reason, there was injuries and they got kind of snake bit a little bit defensively. But I think I don't think there's any alarms going off as far as like the defense goes, and I. You know, I just see this team playing really, really well going into the future. It's a, it's a fun team to watch. I can tell you this. I look forward as, you know, not a Utah fan, but I look forward to, to watching a University of Utah football team this year more than I've ever liked watching them. And that's not to take away from some of the teams in the past that have been really good, but as an offensive guy, as somebody who likes to see the ball moved and, 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 a, and a guy who likes to see good defense as well, these University of Utah teams are fun to watch. You know, I'm, I'm definitely uh, for next year. I'm, I'm tuning in when Cam Rising is playing football. That's a fun quarterback to watch. Would you make of that uh, Wyoming kid transferring the quarterback transferring to Utah State? Seems like their roster is a little stacked there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Peasley went into the portal, then they pick up Wyoming kid. I mean. My, my brothers were telling me about this, and I didn't see it. I, I don't know if it was on TikTok or if it was on Twitter, but apparently apparently this quarterback has a girlfriend that's playing volleyball at Utah State, right? And then they were showing somebody else that transferred to Pitt. Oh, it was uh, it was the quarterback Clovis. from USC. Clovis. Yeah, Clovis transfers to, to USC because his girlfriend's at Pitt. And I, you, know, you start looking at this, and you're like, oh, Free agency is bringing people together. <laughs> they, they weaken knees, Riley. <laughs> they, you no, know, this is bringing people together, PK. They can they can have it all. They don't just have to have Division One scholarships. They can have their girlfriend and Division One scholarships. It's great. So the, <laughs> the interesting part about that transfer to me, though, is I mean, Bonner's still back. 
you're going from like starting at Wyoming to like you, you're going to watch for a year. That's interesting to me. I, that's an interesting mindset. That's an interesting thought. Of course, of course, Utah State is going to take as many quarterbacks as it can in that room because they know quarterbacks transfer. So if they can get one in that they think is worthwhile, yeah, of course you're going to take him. Right? Yeah, of course you're going to take him. Where so, is uh, I don't know this. Where does Cooper Legoff fit into all this? Well, I, I, I think he fits in. I mean, I think that's the other reason that it's a little bit of a head-scratcher with this, with this quarterback coming in. I mean, as a coach, look, you're always going to say, like, hey, we want that room to compete. We want Cooper Legault to compete for his job. We want this. We want that, right? And may the best man win. And, and then when, when those guys go and compete, whoever comes out as the, as the winner of that starting position, then, then you're happy with it. Um, it can't feel good, though, to play as good as you did as Cooper Lega, and then your, your coaches are bringing in somebody else. I mean, it's just like, okay, wait, where, where do I stand here? What, what, what's my role? I thought, I thought I kind of shored this up, you know? And so there'll be interesting conversations, but I think, you know, there's been some articles that I've been reading, too, like backup quarterbacks <laughs> – that that's going to be a really really hard thing in college football now, uh, because you're you're never safe, you're never safe with the portal. Like it used to be that if you were, you know, Robbie Bosco behind Steve Young or Steve Young behind Jim McMahon, you wait a couple years, you keep developing, you're going to be a really good quarterback, and you're going to go down in the annals of history at your school as a as a really great quarterback. Well, I don't know that that situation exists anymore. You could be a really, really good backup for a really, really good quarterback. You're doing everything that you're supposed to do. You're developing the way you're supposed to do. But then some guy from Central Florida who threw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns next year gets falls in love with your program and reaches out to your coaches and says, I want to transfer there. And then all of a sudden you're the backup for four years or you're in the portal the next thing you know. I mean, look, it's it, it's going to be tough for quarterbacks. You. You look at somebody like Jackson Dart, by, by, all, by all accounts, he played great football this year and had some amazing games this year for USC in a meaningless year for USC. Like the, He was out there competing and playing and making great plays for a team that wasn't really competing or making great plays anywhere around him. In fact, that last game of the year that he played against Cal where he got knocked out, I felt bad for him because – it's a meaningless game that they're making up, and half of the players aren't playing. There was, there was like three of his receivers that were like, well, I can't play more than four games or else I lose my red shirt, so I'm sitting out. There was guys that have already you know, said they're going into the draft. Well, now he's played a great year, and Caleb Williams is now in the portal, and he's taking a week off with his family to figure out where he's going to go to school. Well, well, guess what? The head coach at USC just had him last year at Oklahoma, and they threw for a bajillion yards and played awesome. So what are you going to do if you're Jackson Dart and Caleb Williams transfers in? Do you think that's a fair fight? Do you think, do you think that that's a, a place where you can like go, well, geez, man, I gave everything I could. I feel like I've won the locker room over. I feel like I've won my teammates over, but this new coach, if he brings in Caleb Williams, I mean, even if I did win the job, isn't it a short leash? Yeah. You know, so I, it's a tough. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a tougher position to play than it's ever been, because it's free agency without contracts. <laughs> you know, I mean, guy can transfer almost every year without any penalty. Yep. And so all of a sudden, it's like, 
how the freak do I develop into the quarterback I want to be? Really what we're going to see is just the only guys that play quarterback in college are the guys that are freaks coming out of high school that are already 6'4", 240, and are already completely developed. There's not going to be a lot of room for you know, a Baylor-Romney that develops into a really good quarterback at BYU. So it's 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 interesting. This whole this NIL, I think, is going to keep rocking our worlds for probably three to five years before we really get a grip on like what that whole picture looks like. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. There is our college football insider, Riley Jensen. When we come back, the best of the post game show is coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Jazz win on the road. Again, they are playing great basketball on the road. They beat the Denver Nuggets. They do it shorthanded. Let's get to the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz have now won 10 consecutive road games. They beat the Denver Nuggets last night, 115-109. to The Jazz did not have the services of Rudy Gobert, who was out with a non-COVID-related illness. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, who's still dealing with concussion-like symptoms. And uh, Joe Ingles, who is in the COVID uh, protocols. Jazz missing three key players, including their two bigs, and uh, came away with win regardless. Udoka Azubuki got getting the start in place of uh, Rudy Gobert. His first kind of major minutes in the NBA coming back from an injury. Had to play 16 minutes and go up and guard the uh, reigning MVP of the NBA. That's a that's a tough one. We'll hear from Doka a little bit uh, later on. But the Jazz do come away with a win. Bogdanovich had a season-high 36 points, a season-high 13 rebounds. He also had four assists. Uh, Rudy Gay had 18 coming in off the bench. Donovan Mitchell was 17, but he took 20 22 shots, 8 of 22, not Donovan's best game. Um, let's see here. Royce O'Neal with a double-double, 13 points, 11 boards. Jordan Clarkson, 13, coming in off the bench. Mike Conley had uh, 10 points, 6 assists, and 4 rebounds in the win. Uh, Nikola Jokic uh, had a triple-double for the Nuggets, 26 points, 21 rebounds, and 11 assists. But considering no Rudy or Whiteside, uh, you, know, you would assume the Jazz would take uh, that performance from Jokic, particularly the uh, the 26 points, limited to 26 points. And, of course, he's very good. Uh, but let's get some post-game sound. Let's start things off with uh, Jazz head Coach Quinn Snyder. Hey, Coach. Um, what was the, the, the thing that you were most impressive with tonight from your performance? Um, I, I thought there, there were just a lot of, a lot of good things. Um, you know, beginning with Doak, you know, finding out uh, just today that we wouldn't have either Rudy or Hassan. And for him to come in and his first NBA start um, to play against, you know, arguably the best player in the world right now. Um, And, you know, I thought the minutes that he gave us were just really important minutes, um, you know, particularly at the beginning of the game. But then again, you know, during the course of the game. Um, you know, because we were, we were thin <laughs> at that position. So um, I thought, you know, Boyan's re- really settled us, um, scored a lot of different ways for him to have. I don't know how many he had tonight. I think 34. I can't put my glasses on um, and only hit one three. You know, it says a lot about his efficiency. Um, you know, Royce and Boyan both with double figure rebounds. Um, you know, that's something that, that we've, we've talked about and without, you know, Rudy or Hassan out there again, um, for those guys to step up and, and rebound like that was, 
was obviously really, really important. And then, you know, lastly, to turn the ball over seven times, you know, I, I think, you know, we've talked a lot uh, about the possession game and that, you know, even when you don't shoot well, you know, we're 14 of 41 from three, um, you take care of the ball and rebound the ball um, and try to defend and, you know, and good things can happen. Jared Todd. Quinn, as far as Winstow, like you said, you were really, really short and thin tonight. And I've, I'm wondering where this sort of ranks um, for this season. I mean, for the guys to be able to like come together and put together this win uh, without so many of the key guys uh, on the court. Well, it, it's hard to, to rank. Um, it feels like the, the, the biggest win right at this moment. You know, I, I think it's certainly the most unique game that, that, that we've won this year. And I think, you know, particularly the way that, that we played and um, the way that we were able to win the game with some of the things that, that I mentioned previously. So, um, you know, it, it was a big, big win under, under you know, diff different in addition to difficult circumstances. Eric Walden. Quinn, as you mentioned, obviously, uh, Jokic is having an incredible season. But um, what was kind of the plan in terms of defending him with uh, Rudy Gay and, and Goat? Well, you know, I, I think he, he's not someone, you know, it, we talk about defending him and you look at 26, 21 and 11. I mean, so he, he's so difficult to guard um, because he does so many things. Um, you know, we, 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 we felt like we needed to commit, you know, two guys to him, um, you know, in a variety of ways. And, and we tried that. Um, weren't always successful with that, you know, whether he split a double team or spun away from it, um, you know, but it, at least we, you know, we made him work, um, you know, and I think as the game went on, we got better, you know, in rotations, you know, and on the weak side, um, you know, typically we, we can get, um, very accustomed, like our habits, you know, to, to Rudy protecting the rim and, and protecting cutters and, and those types of things. And, you know, in this case, sometimes that, that makes us, you know, more reluctant to, to shift and, and pull over. And I thought th that was evident, you know, the way they started the game. I mean, they, everything, they just scored in the paint. Um, and, um, you know, I, I thought as the game progressed, you know, so it, it wasn't one guy necessarily, although, as you said, you know, whether it was Doak or Rudy, Eric found himself on him a couple possessions and, you know, doing your best to, he's just, it, it's, it's impossible to guard him one-on-one. -on -one. Last question, Ben Anderson. What did you see from Rudy Gay that made him so effective, to, uh, effective tonight? Well, you know, we've we've played, you know, Rudy at the, you know, at the five, you know, at times this year, obviously out of necessity tonight, that was the situation. It's something that we've, um, you know, tried to work on, um, but but haven't had a game like this where they're, they're really, you know, we didn't have Rudy and Hassan, obviously. And, and it's a, di it's a different look. 
Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, things that, that I think we all know, his ability to pick and pop, you know, puts pressure on the defense. They began um, to rotate, you know, to him from the opposite side, which opened some things up. Um, and then, frankly, when um, after he'd hit a couple shots, they switched the matchup and, you know, then he was spaced. And, and I thought Royce did – you know, a terrific job when, you know, Jokic, they were treating Royce like the five. So I thought those two guys, you know, and our guards, you know, beginning to get a, a better feel, um, you know, find how to take advantage of matchups. You know, I, I thought that also happened with, with Boyan tonight as well, where, you know, there was some recognition and, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, ball movement and, and running and we, we want to do those things, but, but there's times when um, you, you need to be more deliberate and we haven't had that with that particular group so um you know meaning we haven't we haven't been able to execute at the level that we want with those guys and i i think you know when you play more minutes a certain way guys just you know they begin to figure some things out there is coach quinn snyder after his team's 10th consecutive road victory now let's now get to the players let's start things off with doke Hey, Doke. Uh, so first off, can you just tell us what it was like being out there again? Kind of take us through the day when you found out you were going to start and uh, just what the experience was like of getting your first NBA start and going up against uh, the reigning MVP. Uh, it was great. You know, I mean, when, when they first told me, I was, I don't know, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little nervous and stuff, you know, just coming back, coming back from injury and, you know, you got to play the joke, the MVP. So it's like, man, it was a crazy experience. But, you know, the, my, the team, my teammate Donovan, you know, Mike, they talked me through it. You know, he just asked me to, you know, keep my composure and um, just go out there and play my game. You know, the coaching staff did the same. So, like, it's, it was because I didn't even know till the life, like the last minute. You know, they was like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to be able to start tonight. So for me, it was, you know, it was a great, it was a great experience, you know, knowing what, you know, dealing with the injury, you know, working, working hard to get back. And, you know, like if somebody had told me, you know, like a month when I got an injury, that when you get back, you're going to be start, you're going to start, you know, your first game back from an injury, you know, I'll be pretty shocked. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it was great. It was nice to be, to actually be out there, you know, with the guys, with the fellows and, um, uh, you know, to get the win. That was really great. Sir Todd. Doug, how did you how did you feel out there? I know it was your first game back, and you know, trying to get your legs and your wind underneath you. How did you feel at the end of it? Um, I'm I'm all right. It's just you know I, I was a little sore on the ankle. You know, being that this is actually my first time going. You know, I, yesterday I kind of like that was actually my first time going up and down the court. You know, did a little five on five. So you know, this like. My first time coming back and actually like playing, it's just like I haven't, you know, really played much basketball and practiced much with the team. And, you know, just coming back, I feel, I feel good. I feel really good. You know, I'm a, my uncle is a little soft, but, um, but I'm good. Andy Larson. First of all, Doak, when your ankle first sprained, did you think it was more significant than this, that it would take you longer than a couple months to come back? Yeah, it did. You know, I, it was it was kind of severe. Just with that kind of ankle sprain, you know, it was a lot on my mind. You know, I was it was just a lot going through my mind. 
And, um, you know, for me, I just take it one one step at, at a time. You know, I kind of like just kept rehabbing, kept working hard. Even, you know, I kind of like doing that process, you know, just ate right, lost a lot of weight, you know, and just try to like get myself ready. So when I get caught, caught up and, you know, I'll be ready and stuff. So, yeah. And then tell me about kind of the film watching process for this game, right? Like you're, instead of just playing a couple minutes, you're playing a lot of minutes against Jokic, right? So like, were you watching a ton of film before or kind of trying to figure out what he does best? I mean, tell me about that. No, no. Like I said, it was the last minute and it was right before the game started. That's when, you know, one of the coaches brought me up and was like, yeah, you're starting. So I thought at first I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like joking with me. I was like, what 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 you mean? <laughs> so but like no, it was just last minute, you know, just kind of showing me coverages and you know how to, you know, guide the joker. And you know, it wasn't like a lot of detailed fame watching. And um, you know, we're just kind of last minute and uh just me just going out there and you know, just trusting my teammates and you know, I just I thank God for everything that you know, it all worked out and we, we got the W. Follow up from Eric Walden. The Dokes. Uh, just take us through. How do you feel like you played tonight? Um, I mean, I, I think I, I, I did good being my first time back. You know, I'm being my first time actually playing, playing, and I try and be a game like a major minute because I don't, I don't think ever since I got drafted up, even you know, getting a minute to play in the actual NBA game. So being my first game and, you know, just coming back from injury, you know, I can't, I'm not going to beat myself about it. I think, you know, I did, I did good. You know, I feel like, you know, I, I can get better. I think I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things that I know that I can do better at, you know, and I, I feel like just take time. And, you know, when given the opportunity, I feel like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get there. There's Yudoka Azubuki, five points. He did grab a board, grabbed a steal, had a block. He was active, uh, got a little tired in those 16 minutes. He would anticipate that a little bit coming uh, off that injury, but certainly got thrown into the deep end and uh, did his best and held his own. Let's now move on to Boyan Bogdanovich. Why have you been uh, so comfortable in the last you know, few games, you know, scoring, you know, mid posts, you know, all three levels, you know, just kind of, you know, getting into, um, getting into a strong group that you're gonna. I mean, like I said before, I'm just trying to be aggressive. The the Mike and and, and Donovan are looking for me as well because they can feel it that I'm in a, in a good mood and in a great shape. Especially on the end of the third quarter, Mike was Mike was calling the play after one another for me to post to post and I saw their they point guard so so yeah I'm I mean I just feel feel great I'm I'm trying to be to be aggressive and do whatever it's take to to win the games. Eric Walden Hey Boyan obviously kind of weird circumstances with no Rudy Gobert and no Hassan available. Uh what did you see out of the minutes tonight from Doke from Rudy Gay from Eric Pascal uh playing center against uh Jokic? I mean, big big minutes from from Dove. His his first start, I, I guess, with uh, against MVP. So he was he was really really ready and, and and focused. He gave us great minutes. I don't know how he played probably 15, 20 minutes. So so great minutes for him. Rudy is big. He's been big time for us whole season. Just 
just his versatility, both offensively and and and, and kind of defensively. I mean, and offensively, bringing their their big subs, so sour point guards and uh, and the ball handlers got a more more space to 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 attack them. So it's both of them did a great job. Sarah Todd. Boyan, how, how big does this win feel considering that you guys were shorthanded and that, you know, you, you had to really adapt to some weird circumstances today? I mean, big, big win for us. They are playing great on a, on the road. Like you mentioned, we, we played without two bigs and, and Joe that is, that is primary ball handler of the, of the bench for us. But, uh, like I said, we did a great job. We controlled the, controlled the boards and, and, and we control our turnovers. I think that is the, probably the fewest turnovers that we had a whole season. I think we had less than, less than 10. So just taking the care, taking care of the balls and then a lot of 50, 50 balls that they were around the floor, they were all, all hours. So I think that that was the, that was the big tonight. Andy Larson. Two questions for you, Boyan. First, um, how is, is the mood around the team different now that Joe's tested positive for COVID and you guys finally have someone in protocols? I mean, we are all sorry for for Joe that he's stuck right now here or, or, or wherever, but uh, but that's what it is. I mean, we did a great great job as a team. We were the only team in a, in the league that didn't have any, any cases, so I hope that it that Joe is gonna stay, stay kind of the only only case right here. But uh, but that's what it is. You cannot you cannot control it. I mean, we have to we have to adapt it. Whoever whoever is out with a COVID or, or injuries and and then try to play our game. And then second, I have to ask. Uh, you are the Jazz resident RSL fan, so they had the news that Ryan Smith is the part owner of them, along with David Blitzer. Curious, uh, how do you feel about that? And then also, you know, you and Demir are like kind of coworkers now, I guess, in some ways. But what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, it's it's great for uh, for the city that that they got a uh, that got got Ryan over there that is really really trying to do something big for the for both us and and now for the for RSL and it's also great for the for all their team because now they have owner finally they're gonna be able to sign to sign the players because they were kind of in uh, in bad bad position with a uh, with a kind of league owning owning the the team so. Congratulations to Ryan for the for having another team in Salt Lake. There's Bogdanovich, season high 36 points, season high 13 rebounds, four assists as well, and had just a terrific game. Let's wrap things up now with Rudy Gay. Hey, Rudy. So obviously, kind of a weird situation tonight with no Rudy Gobert, no Hassan. Um, you wound up having to play a lot of minutes at the five, including some against like real legitimate vibes. What was the experience kind of like tonight having to kind of expand your role like that? Um, I guess that's what it's come to in my career. <laughs> you know, I was talking to Zach Zarba, the, uh, the referee, you know, it's like, man, I came in this league as a shooting guard. Now, now I'm a center. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, that's just the thing about teams. Like, when you want to win, you have to have somebody step up and do some things that they're not comfortable with. And, um, you know, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and try to make as much plays, do as much as you can in whatever, whatever position or whatever role you have. So, you know, I just wanted to get this win. That's all it's about. Sarah Todd. 
Rudy, that um, there were guys tonight like Doke. He had to come in at his you know first game back from a pretty bad injury, and he starts and he's playing against Nikola Jokic. Uh, Eric has been out for a few days because he was with his family, and he comes back and he's got to play a pretty extended role and step up because you guys are shorthanded. What can you say about kind of down the line the different ways that guys came in and, and contributed tonight? It just goes to show how deep our team is and. Um how many different things you know are, are, are you know people can do on this team you know we you know I played the center dope started um, EP just came from you know having his son congratulations to him by the way um you know, everybody stepped up, you know, uh, Bogey stepped up, you know, Royce played great. We just played good basketball. We moved the ball around and played with each other. And, um, you know, this is so unique how deep this team can be. So it is, excuse me. Andy Larson. Yeah, I'm just curious, like, what it's like physically to play against Nikola Jokic, given how big and big he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's 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 the MVP for a reason. <laughs> Let's just say that he's really good, man. He's uh, you know, um, you know, he's he's changed the game for, for bigs. You know, he does everything, and um. You know, we gave him a lot of respect as he deserves. And, um, you know, he still had a pretty good game. But, you know, the biggest part is, you know, trying to limit him to easy stuff and, and, and make other people hear this. And uh, our game plan worked. Okay, last one, follow-up from Sarah Todd. Considering what you just said about, about Jokic, how do you think that Doke did tonight? I think he did pretty good. Um you know, I don't think people understand how how, how big Doke is, but he's a pretty big guy too. And you know, and his job today was make it hard for for for, for Jokic, and um, you know, he did that. He went out there and did his job, and and, and contributed to a win today. There's Rudy Gay. Uh, Rudy had 18 points, seven rebounds. He had uh, an assist, a steal, a couple of blocks as well as uh, Rudy was a plus 14 coming in off the bench. The Jazz now will try to make it 11 in a row on the road. Coming up tomorrow night, they're going to be in uh, Toronto to take on the Raptors. The game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 4.30. There's the best of the post-game show. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines, including more on the Jazz win, doing it shorthanded without Joe Ingles, without Rudy Gobert, without Hassan Whiteside. Get to all of that coming up and everything else in the NBA as well. The Warriors, 82 points. Wow. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports as DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan rolls off the Azabuke pick, works to his left hand, gets to the mark on the court that says 5,280 feet, and he says perfect distance and buries the J. He's across the timeline over to Campazzo. He throws it off to Jokic again, layup good, foul as well. Same play. Rinse and repeat, folks. Rinse and repeat. Bogdanovich working to Michael Green. He bumps, he backs, he's not making inroads. He now drops steps, floats it up with the right hand and hits. He might not have been making inroads, but he is feeling it. Boyan's got himself 28, and that's a season high. There are the highlights as the Utah Jazz pick up the victory in Denver, 115-109, to led by 
Boyan Bogdanovich, 36 points, and he was one of six from three. PK, I could believe the 36, but I never would have picked 36 for the number. On the night, he was one of six from three. How about on the night he makes 11 free throws, though? That ups the odds. So he's not good on the one, threes, but he's good on the ones. 11 of 13 at the line. He got to the line a lot. 13 is yeah. a big number. It's the kind of number James Harden used to do in Houston and everyone complained about. But it's okay when it's your guy. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's not just uh, wailing. He wasn't flailing. flailing into guys at the three-point line. I think the, line, the right. huge number to me is the 13 boards because Gobert's out. And he's he getting and about 85% of your yes. rebounds. He and Royce O'Neal clearly were told, guys, you got to hit the glass. And they crushed yeah. it. 13 rebounds for Bogey and 11 for Royce. Because uh, as a bouquet, you don't have to expect much. But he only had one in 16. So for Bogdanovich, who is not, I don't consider him a great rebounder to do that. I consider him a great scorer. So, you, you know, you can look at it and say, well, you got a lot of scoring unavailable, basically. Not a ton, but you know, a fair amount. So he goes up and does what he does, and Donovan's not shooting the ball well. It's one of six. Donovan was worse, one of nine. Only eight of 22. So somebody's got to pick up the slack a little bit. So I can see where it's a Bogdanovich. But if you had told me 13 boards, and those two guys that you just said, Anil and Bogdanovich, combined for 24 boards, that, to me... Is more surprising than Bogey going for 36. Big difference right there, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a significant factor and them winning the ball game and then Rudy Gay doing what he does, but that's why they brought him in. Rudy Gay, 18 points off the bench, and he had seven rebounds, too, and an assist, and a steal, and a couple blocks. Stuffing stuffing the box score there. And unlike a lot of the other guys, he shot the three very well. He was four of seven. So while Donovan and Bogey were struggling from the three-point line, he was four, four for seven. And Royce was three for six, and Clarkson was three for eight. So they end up shooting 34%, which is a little on the low side, but they get the win anyway because they do the other stuff. And Quinn, you just heard in the best of the post game in the previous segment, Quinn was talking about only seven turnovers. You get zero points per possession on turnovers. So they had more, more possessions to be productive with. More possession to be productive with. Yeah, that was that could have gone powerful. That could have gone wrong. <laughs> I'm pleased with it. But it didn't. Nice. <laughs> well played. I like that. And how about a shout out for the Joker? He just doesn't have enough guys around him. We talk about the Jazz being shorthanded, and they were, but Denver is perpetually shorthanded this season. And the Joker, 26 points, 21 rebounds, 11 assists. He's awesome, but he he could have had 15 or 20 assists if guys had hit open shots, and they didn't. Well, you can say that about everybody, though. I thought it was especially noticeable. Well, whoever Last handles night. the ball most can have Obviously, way more Obviously, is making great passes and guys are missing shots. But and the Oak Man's a phenomenal player, yeah. and he's just a kid, too. That's what's exciting about Denver, get their guys back and... See where they can go. They make a big trade last year to get Aaron Gordon, and then Jamal, Jamal Murray goes out, so they've really never had any continuity they whatsoever. Haven't had their group together. We'll, we'll check back, and unless they can all get back at the end of the season, but at this point, I don't know. They're running up on the halfway season, but you check back 22-23, better days are ahead. They've got to add some pieces, but they've got some solid pieces that are young. Jazz win again on the road. They extend their win streak there, 115-109, and they will try again tomorrow night. They will be playing the Raptors in Toronto, which is part of a back-to-back Friday and Saturday. They've got the Pacers on Saturday. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
Nets up by seven. Irving dancing up top. Driving left. Down the lane. Falling away. Banks it in. Kyrie Irving with 21. And the Nets by nine. Top of the key. Reggie Bullock once again. Luka. Bielitsa hand in the face. Now it's long distance. Shot and there is Luka. Long distance. Right side. Highlights from the uh, night in the NBA. The Dallas Mavericks. Beat the Warriors 99-82, a shockingly low number for the Warriors. A little extra motion in the building because they retired Dirk Nowitzki's jersey. They had a lot of Cowboys there. They showed up for it. And the fans, uh, cowgirls too. Fans were fired up. And the Mavericks That's get the win. Texas, you know, so you got the Cowboys in there. Yeah, I watched Dirk's ceremony. Those things always get me. I was tearing up too. All your days as a Mavericks fan? Or the passage of time. You remember when Dirk was but a young lad? Yeah, you know, they showed them, uh, he and uh, Steve Nash, together. They were brought in together. Same year, right? Same yeah. draft. Now the Bucks uh, traded uh, Nowitzki over on a draft day trade, uh, as opposed to drafting him. But obviously he played his whole career there. He was a phenomenal player. But Yeah, I enjoyed watching him play. I mean, I don't really have a favorite team. I just have guys that I watch play. Who didn't like watching him play? With that uh, back to the practically parallel to the floor with the shot, and it's fun to see. And uh, I, I love these guys; these foreign guys who come over and become icons in their particular communities. And 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 him, not even a native speaker, he told a story where he said that uh, you know he didn't have any idea what was going on. And he gets off the plane, and there's all these people there. And he thought, oh, man, wow, these Dallas fans are great. And then he finds out later that there were all Dallas Mavericks front office people, staff people, who were there to greet him, that they weren't fans. (laughs) 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 He was self-deprecating the whole time, the whole time during the speech. And I think that maybe fired up the guys. And, of course, uh, Curry couldn't throw it in the ocean. Five of 24. He could have been on South Padre Island and not scoring any points. Nice Texas reference. Good work. <laughs> Five of 24 from the floor. One of nine from three. He had an awful night shooting the ball. Yes. Uh, he and uh, Gary Payton Jr., who went to Salt Lake Community College, I might add, were a combined Gary Payton ten... second, let's be clear. Uh, whatever. Uh, Gundy. Dude. You're not Bill Walton, so don't try to be. Just tell us how great the coaches are. Uh, you know, I wonder, what's the difference between Junior and um, the, the second? And the other guy, whoever that other guy is, he's, he, I know his voice. Uh, he's trying to, yeah, this isn't Pash Walton here. It d- didn't really work. But uh, they want to combine 10 of 29. And Peyton Junior, the second, the third, was five for five. So, Steffer had a bad, bad night, but it's going to happen. I I pity the fools who are next on the schedule for those guys. (laughs) (laughs) The law of numbers, Steph will be bouncing back. Yeah. Unless he's totally lost it and that was it, he hit the wall, that's the end of the deal. Oh, that'd be great for the Jazz, yeah. But it's not. What's going to happen is he's going to go out and score 40 against the Pelicans. Uh, Other NBA games, the Wizards lose to the Rockets. Kevin Porter Jr. hits a three with four tenths of a second left, and they mob him. The Rockets get. I thought he got suspended. He played last night. I don't know. Didn't they say he and the? It was a very cringeworthy. Were uh, suspended. Cringeworthy what? Well, there was a cringeworthy quote about his father by one of the reporters at the poll. If I can, but. Oh well, Porter had all sorts of trouble. Yeah, I mean, growing up, one of the announcers during the game made a reference that was probably less than. Stellar. 
And, I mean, he was at SC, had some issues there. He's had issues every step of the way. That's why Cleveland got rid of him. So, But he's a wild talent. Well, Wood played two. He had 22 points, 11 boards in the game, and was a uh, was a factor there. Because those guys got into it uh, with John Lucas the first and, uh, after the game the other night. There is the John Lucas the second because he did play for the Jazz. Keep him coming. Kuzma had the uh, chance to tie it there in the final four cents of the second. He had a pretty good game, statistically speaking, but he did not make the game tire, so Houston gets the rare win. Statistically speaking, isn't that how we decide who has pretty good games? Everybody? Uh, it could be. There are other ways. How so? Well, if you watch the game, you can talk about you know how somebody played. I did not watch the Rockets, so I can't tell you what else Kuzma did. No, I mean, in order to play well, you have to have a statistically good game. Kuzma had 24 points and nine boards. They go together. You're just never going to quit, even when you're beat. I like that about you. <laughs> uh, the Jazz are getting ready to see the Raptors. The Raptors were in Milwaukee beating the Bucks 117-111. Pascal Siakam, 33 points, five rebounds, six assists as Toronto gets the win. And so they'll both be off tonight. Neither team will be going back-to-back when they meet on Friday. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. We're finally going to have some college basketball, PK. It's been stop and start. A lot of games have been postponed, but BYU and Pacific, 7 o'clock tonight at the Marriott Center. Freaking California. BYU TV will have playing basketball every other place. I, don't, I just don't get it. How how you can have 90,000 in the Rose Bowl and all this. But in California, they can stop all these games. But, uh, yeah, who do they play? Pacific? Pacific at home tonight. Forget that. I'm jacked about UCF and Loyola of Chicago over there at uh, Salt Lake Community at noon. Noon Mountain Time. Yeah. Neutral court game. Get a game in with everything paused. And their coach went on Twitter inviting all BYU fans and pointing out how it's good for the West Coast Conference. And he's okay if you wear your Cougar blue. That, that was a good touch. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. So it, it made me laugh. Have some fun with it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Show some personality. I'm going to root for that dude. USF 13-1. Loyola Chicago 9-2. and well, Chicago, the three-point favorite on the neutral floor at the Lifetime Activity Center. Utes are hosting Washington. This game's on the Pac-12 Network. Tips at 7.30. Utes are 1-3 in conference play. Washington is 0-1. Huskies underwater on the season, 5-6. And, and the Utes 8-6. and six. So, we were talking earlier about, hey, the bottom of the league, it's not very good, but just by beating the bottom of the league, you can get to the middle. So, here's another chance to beat someone in the middle of the league. I think for the Utes, it's all about building a program here. Uh, And so every win is nice. You're trying to build some momentum to be able to entice some recruits to come into your program. Recruits Uh, and or transfers and say, hey, we're not that far away. you get the transfers, though. Even if if you're terrible? Yeah, because if it's playing time. uh, I, I, I think for a program like Utah, the transfers are nice. But I think you got to build it the traditional way and then augment rather than augment with recruits. Unless you can get, you know, big time dudes who are going to be one and done. But I don't know you're going to be able to get that. You're going to get nice players in the transfer portal, but you need some players that you can develop too. And by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're ready to go to make major contributions. And I don't discount the transfer portal at all because that would be ridiculous. 
Washington's the only Pac-12 team that hasn't won a game yet. They are 0-1. Now there are other teams that have played. Well, in the case of the Utes, the Utes have actually played the most games, having played four. And the Utes are in 11th place, so somebody's going to get well tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. NFL News. Antonio Brown claims the injury and the fact the Bucks were trying to force him to play was the reason he walked off the field. Already speculation about whether the Cowboys are going to pick him up or not. The problem is he didn't walk off the field. He did calisthenics. <laughs> he made a show going off. Gyrated to the crowd. Waved at them. You know, if you would have... Yeah. I would be... He has no track record of believability. I mean, there's a video of him just F-bombing the cops left and right and using all sorts of inappropriate language in his own house with his, with his kid apparently right there. There was a little boy. I, assume, I think that was his kid, if I remember the story. Uh, so you don't have a track record of wanting to believe, but it's a believable story. But why go through... The nonsense of that whole show going off the field. Yeah, if Rogers or um, Aaron uh, Bruce Arians told you to get out of there, you know, then Bruce Arians meant get out of my face. You know, I don't know. I I don't know that the Bucks really want to get involved in that uh, bleeping contest with him back and forth. Doesn't sound like it. So Arians has been super short the first time he talked about it, and pretty short the second time. Yeah. We're done. Wish him well. But he might have had more credibility if he would have, like, walked off the field dejectedly. Right. Instead of, you know. Instead of taking off the pads and the jersey and then throwing the shirt into the crowd and then throwing the gloves into the crowd and then being not off the end zone, but actually in the end zone, waving at the crowd. Basically in the field of play. Yes. Right. Yeah. Cincinnati and Cleveland. We already know Cleveland is not going to have their quarterback for this uh, last game. He's headed for surgery. Baker Mayfield made that announcement. Now Joe Burrow is sitting out to rest his sore right knee and injured right pinky for the playoffs, Coach Zach Taylor has said. And how about the Aaron Rodgers story? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. It says the writer's a bum. The writer wouldn't vote for him for MVP because of vaccine, and Rodgers says it's about the vaccine, and then the writer comes back later in the day and apologizes. Yeah, he calls... uh Aaron Rodgers, the biggest jerk in the league and a bad guy. Yep. Yeah, about Hub Arkush, right? Yeah, Chicago-based reporter. He has one of the 50 votes for AP's MVP. Uh, what What do you really know about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I get this a fair amount myself. I'm not that Mina Kimes gal, you know. But, I mean, we, we all face criticism here. It, 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 and I've gotten... Just, just, I went and got my hair cut two days ago. And the lady's big sports fan. And she said, yeah, a guy asked me the other day, because I tell him I cut your hair, is he really an a-hole? Like, I mean, you have no idea about me. Zero. You have no no clue whatsoever. And you go by what you think you know. I mean, how do you know what kind of guy? You've never spoken to Aaron Rodgers. You've never been around him whatsoever. And he's a bad guy because he doesn't fit your politics? Which... Sports writing is overwhelming, overwhelming they lean to the left. That Those are facts. And so he did something that you didn't like, so he's a bad guy. He's a diva, yeah. Well, he's also really good <laughs> and probably deserves the MVP again. Man, he'll probably get it again. I just, where do we, we have this selective outrage about stuff 
We see it with all the social media. Something happens over here, we go berserk. But meanwhile, over here in this city, it happens 50 times on a Saturday night, and they're not a peep. Nothing. Nothing. Nope, nothing. But something happens over here. Oh my gosh, we got to stop play. This selective outrage. I mean, I, there's a guy who said injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere, didn't he? It's engraved in a wall, yeah. a monument in Washington, D.C. You can see it there. We need to be outraged on all wrongdoing. That's not going to happen. The inconsistency is our only consistency. Oh, that's deep. Thank you. I'm going to put that on my wall. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. BYU is getting Gunnar Romney coming back. Oh, he's coming back. How about that? Also got the replacement for Tyler Algier in theory. The replacement for Tyler Algier in theory. Yeah, two running backs. One from Cal, one from Stanford, right? Hamuli, the fullback from Stanford. Houston Hamuli, the bountiful brave. He's more of a big blocking dude. I don't know that he's going to be rushing for 1,000 yards. I wouldn't think so. His stats were something like seven catches for 25 yards. He also weighs 270 pounds. He will be punishing people, uh, crashing into them. He wants to lose weight. I can hook him up up with Maria Osborne. We'll, We'll take care of it. Uh, but uh, the other kid, kid, what was his first name? Was it Brown? It's Christopher no. Jones. Or Chris, no, no, Christopher no, no. Brown. Brown. Yeah, and Brown. Then he changed it. Yeah, to honor his mother. Correct. Uh, and I remember him and, and as preparing for Cal each year in Pac-12 Media. Remember the the, the kid. So uh, I think it's a nice pickup. He's now Christopher Brooks. Yes. So he was Brown. And then he changed it to Brooks. Uh, and he was a nice player for Cal. So I think that's something that they need. You know, losing Al- Algier to the NFL obviously is a major blow. He was such a significant portion of the offense. So that's a good deal. And then Romney, uh, tell me how many games you're going to play. It seems like he's been hurt every year. Yes. I think that's because he has been. He has yeah. been. So. He's been a good deep threat when he's played. And he's, he's a played. nice player. He's got yeah. all sorts of skill. Yeah, he's he's yeah. been a good receiver and a good deep threat when he's played, but he hasn't always been able to play. Yeah. I didn't think him coming back was that big a surprise. You know, he talked about the NFL, but because of the issues you talk about, it didn't seem like the best move. I agree. So I didn't think it was that surprising that he was going to end up coming back. Although you never know. Well, yeah, he might have just said uh, the heck with it, too. I mean, you know, you keep going through all these injuries, wondering is there ever going to be a time that I can get myself healthy? Uh, so, uh, to hopefully for the kid, you never want to see injuries. I mean, because he wants to play in the NFL, obviously, and I think the potential is there uh, because, you know, he's got size, speed, and all that. Easy. The measurables and all that stuff seem like it works for him, but he's got to find a way to f- be on the field consistently because I think if he can with Hall and the same thing goes for Hall if Hall can find a way to be on the field all the time they've got a chance to put up some pretty good numbers well give it another shot I mean we always talked about all the Taysom Hill's injuries and now for all the time he was hurt in college he stayed fairly healthy in the pros DJ and PK hashtag RSL press conference coming up at noon to introduce the new owner David Blitzer. He owns... How about Dancer and Prancer? Are they going to be there? Yeah, I know. There have been a lot Donner, of jokes about the you know. Donner. Yeah. Well, the Donner party won't be there. Too much snow over there. <laughs> okay. Best thing about this guy, 
Jersey. 15 Jersey. miles from my hometown. Scotch, <laughs> All right. Scotch Plains, baby. I saw Scotch Plains. And I, thought, ah, I know exactly where old Scotch Plains is. Is that going south towards Philly? Is that going inland away from New York? Where is that? It's going Which, towards the city. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's all, you know, Marie. It's very New York. Sandy, Yorkish. Midvale. Okay. You know, it's all just all jumbled in there. So, but yeah, Scotch Plains is He owns part of the yeah, a minority interest in the New everything. Jersey Devils, a minority interest in the Philadelphia 76ers. He's bought into three foreign soccer teams. Crystal Palace in England's the most high profile, but a German and Belgian team too. So he's got a lot of experience, but now he's going to be the guy calling the shots, not the minority owner. Ryan Smith, jazz owner, part of the uh, ownership group. He'll be the alternate governor. How much money are they going to sink into the payroll? How much money are they going to put in the stadium that's 13 years old now? And they could build some more luxury yeah, well, suites. It's a 400 or, million or something. And I think the thing that uh, if you're a soccer fan, and even if you're not, it shows that this is a viable league in this country. And it's here. It's here to stay. Money can be made. I mean, ultimately, that's what... You know, that football thing that they had a few years ago, if they would have been in money, it would still be around. Oh, the American, the Alliance yeah. of American Football. Yeah. AAF. Yeah. Well, you, you know, some people just, soccer people get under your skin if you don't like the sport because they're constantly in your face telling you how great it is and what an idiot you are. And they do these dumb traditions from Europe that just don't fly over here. And I was watching one the playoff game, and my wife says, they, they just chant the whole time? I said, yeah, they picked it up from Europe, and so they feel like they've got to do it. You know, we don't do what Japanese baseball people do. They chant over there. But we yeah. don't do that over here. We yeah. need to develop our own traditions if you want it to really, really take off. But I know you'll defend it. Uh, and it, it, so a lot of people, who's ours? Blah, 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 blah. Well, here's a, a businessman of renown going to fork out a lot of money because he knows it's going to work. I think it sends a powerful message. Cash is king. Of course. He's, he's not going to do it. it just because he grew no. up as a soccer fan well, in Scotch and, Plains, New Jersey. And you look at what he owns. So he's uh, he's got a team in Jersey and a team in uh, Philly. Why come all the way to Utah? I mean, he's got to really believe in it. Because he's he wants buying. to, and he right. can. He knows it's exactly. going to work. He knows whatever he pays is going to get a return. And he is uh, he apparently has some deep pockets. He's also of tried course. to buy a in the last two months. There have been stories written about him trying to buy a minority stake in the Cleveland Indians, or now the Cleveland Guardians, uh, and try to get in there because one of their minority owners bought the Royals, I think. And so part of that team is up for grabs. I've got a great Cleveland Guardians story. And since we're running a little late, I'll share it when we come back. It's funny as all get out. You really? Lo- and I just got it last night. Well, there you go. Blitz, That's ironic you said that. Yeah. One of the things Blitzer's saying is he wants to bring back the Utah Royals as well. So NWSL. Oh, That'll absolutely. have to be a separate deal to do that. Wow, well, regardless, yeah, we got to get him back. I mean, I love that ball club. But, you know, you got the coach. Who went to my high school in Arizona? You got connections. You got the owner who grew up 15 minutes down the road from my hometown, my original hometown. We got your David Blitzer on with you. This is fun. I'm just connected all which ways. There it is. <laughs> you can talk to him about your favorite delis. <laughs> I'm gonna. He's gonna come here thinking he's no Jersey. Wait, wait! I got one of my one of my own brothers right here. And then he's going to find out my coach. We walked the halls. We went to the same campus. 
we hung out at the same Jack in a Box. <laughs> you got to skip the walk the halls. Go to the hang out at the same yeah, Jack in the Box. And there really was no halls because it, everything was open. There was like the science building, the English building. Yeah. So there were literally no halls because it was just outside. Yeah, right. Here in Utah where they're yeah. bracing for the weather, you walk yeah. out of a classroom into a hall. Yeah. But in California and Arizona... You usually, my high school is actually an exception, but most schools you just walk out and you're outdoors. Maybe there's a little, uh, a little covering, ten feet of metal hanging off the side of the building. All right, DJ and PK. When we come back, we'll get the funny Guardian story. So we got that going for us. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, is going to join us at eight thirty. Craig Bowlerjack coming up at nine o'clock. Waiting to hear back from uh, Joe Ingles on the time for the Joe Ingles show. He is in COVID protocol, so we don't know what this means. So we'll see. We'll let you know when we know. DJ and PK, what is trending? It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Denton Goodman, who DM'd me on Twitter, he said, the Utes will go to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? That's hilarious. You sound like a homer. Outside of USC, what Pac-12 schools in history have gone to, quote, a lot of Rose Bowls? Washington? Yeah, Washington. Oregon's now seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, they don't go to a lot of Rose Bowls, but they'll be there pretty regularly. I put Oregon in the USC category. I don't know if Utah can do it on that frequent of basis, but yeah, why not? Like, I think Utah could very easily be at two a decade, which is a lot. That's once every five years. That's basically once a recruiting cycle. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for what this Utah football program program is right now. I think they'll be back multiple times. How about that? Is that better than a bunch? Here's my take. Utah's going to go to a lot of Rose Bowls. I don't need to change that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Zero Res. Zero Res is the only carpet cleaner for a smarter, lasting clean. Zero Res's patented process uses only water to clean, meaning no crunchy carpets and a spot-free carpet that is safe for the whole family. Schedule your carpet cleaning today by calling 801-288-9376, 0 or booking online at ZeroResSaltLake.com, or if you're up north, at ZeroResDavisWeber.com. Darn tootin'. We're just talking about uh, in what is trending RSL's new owner. 16-month process comes to a close. David Blitzer is the new owner, and he owns part of the NHL's De- New Jersey Devils, and he's a minority uh, owner also in the Philadelphia 76ers. He'll be the majority owner and have the power here with RSL. So it'll be interesting I've got the power! <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how he's he plays it. <laughs> And then there have also been stories out of Cleveland here the last uh, couple of months. In Cleveland. About him <laughs> buying a minority share in the baseball team there, which last season you knew as the Indians, but going forward you will know as the Guardians. And you told us you have a funny Cleveland Guardian story that I'm going to enjoy. So what do you got? Yes. It should have been the tunes, by the way, man. It should have been the Cleveland tunes. They could have the music note. I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's, they're kind of up a little bit, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's down in the water. I've made that walk. I've seen game. I've seen a well, just one game in, in the stadium. Uh, it's right next to the basketball arena. Uh, so my, a friend of my wife's down in Arizona. I don't know if it was over Christmas or what, but she talking to a friend yesterday. But it's here recently in, in the winter months, and so she, the friend, and her husband are playing golf, mm-hmm. right? And they get paired up. 
with uh, uh, a single. And the friend's husband, you know, we're going to be with somebody for four hours to make a little chit-chat. And he says to the guy, man, you look, you look really athletic. You know, did, did you play something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. You can see where this is going. <laughs> play a little baseball. Uh, yeah? Yeah, college? Uh, yeah, yeah. Profes- professional, too. Yeah? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who you play with? He's, uh, I play with, uh, I'm kind of, you know, humble. I play with the, uh, you know, the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, oh, yeah. Is that a single-A team? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's the majors. <laughs> and then the husband, oh, man, I feel stupid. <laughs> Wasn't aware of the name change, but here's a big leaguer, and uh, she didn't get the name. She didn't say the name, so I told her, I said, go back and get the name. (laughs) So she's going to go back uh, here the next time they talk and get the name of the the pitcher. (laughs) Because she told her friend, said, well, PK has run across many who said they'd done this or that, and then double-check, and they didn't do this or that. <laughs> they you know, inflated a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. You know, I used to, used to go back in the almanacs, now you just get online. Yeah. Because I've probably had 10 cases of people, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I played BYU football, and then, yeah, what years? Yeah. And you look, and... They're not in the media no. guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And I, I've even had people say, yeah, I've, I've played in whatever, the majors. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I asked the guy once. He said, yeah, I, I played. I said, uh, well, uh, what was your, uh, who'd you play for? And he told me. I said, what's your manager's name? He said, uh, oh, man, I, I, I can't remember. Oh, you, come on. You didn't play. <laughs> you did not play. You played probably minors. And good for you, because you got to be really good to do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I don't discount that you're a pretty good ball player, but you did not play in the big leagues. You made zero appearances. Because if you would have made one, you'd be in there. Yeah. And then you didn't know who your manager was? You do, too, know who your manager is. Yeah. And if you would have done the timeline back when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I scoured every morning three newspapers that we had to our house. Uh, we, we had the Star-Ledger delivered. I delivered the Precipity Daily Record. And then uh, my parents, one of them, would bring home one of the 17 New York papers. My mother worked in Harlem, and so I would I knew every box score. I could tell you who's the right fielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. I knew it. I mean, I was just a freak. You had it wired. So, yeah, so I would have known every single manager, obviously. You obviously know your own manager. Yeah. Though. Come on. So I thought that was funny, though. She was, I played for Utah Jazz. Oh, who's your coach? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, too. And it was uh, the guy is a big league pitcher, and that's who they got paired up with. I had a friend of mine once was golfing at Spanish Trails down in Vegas, a beautiful area just west of the Strip a few miles. And the single walks up and does. Uh, wants to play through so they let him mm-hmm. turns out the single Greg Maddox nice yeah Greg was just playing by himself yeah he lives there he's a Vegas guy all the way okay 
He's he that's might, funny. He's I know he went to high school there, and that's where his home is. He probably I think he might even born and raised there too. And Spanish Trails, it's open now to the public. I've played it with Jake Scott, uh, but it, it was a uh, for a long time it was private. Beautiful, beautiful area, uh, large home community. So you could see, of course, he would have a membership there, and he is an avid golfer. As we know, John Smoltz has talked about him and Glavin going out on the course and playing a lot uh, and being really good, actually, too, for that matter. And so, yeah, so he was just and – and if you've ever been around Maddox, you know, he's about 5'10", 160 with glasses and a cap. Totally blends He in. looks like a – you know, works at a library. And uh, so he was obviously a Hall of Fame pitcher. And so, yeah, so he, my, my buddy was with his friend, and his friend said, do you know who that was? No, that's Greg Maddox. <laughs> He's a baseball savant. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, really, really great, great, great pitcher is practically as good as you can get. Uh, so he had he played. I think they played a hole together, and then uh, and the Maddox kept going. Yeah. Now, well, I once got paired up with an NFL player at Bonneville, but I knew exactly who he was. David Nixon. <laughs> and he knew who I was. <laughs> and he could only hit the ball about 350 yards. <laughs> Anybody who's played with Dave knows he can absolutely crush it. Yeah, yeah, he can. He can really pound it. Uh, is it a short and, game of mystery, or is he getting that dialed in? Uh, it's got some work. I mean, he's not a pro golfer by any stretch. And Good probably player, didn't play a whole lot uh, when he was in college and whatnot, you know, in, pro, in the pros. He, no, he, could be, he could be coming to it way late too. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, he's in business with uh, Jimmy Balderson, who played for basketball at the. Uh, you see their names around. Board. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing commercial real estate. Yeah, you do. Downtown, come around a corner, and there's a building, and there their names on it. Yeah. And I got paired up once with Okur. Speaking of guys who can hit the 350 yards. He can hit it a mile. He's a golf freak. And then this was before the Jazz Beach Bash, which he went multiple times. So then I did some speaking engagements with him at the thing and played some golf with him there. And he told me that uh, he's got a couple of memberships because when one is closed for maintenance, he goes to the other one. Obviously. Solid, yeah, <laughs> good plan. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he, in San Diego with plenty of public courses too. But he makes that kind of more. He made that kind of money. He had a real kind heart too, real soft, gentle person. Uh, not that I was friends with him by any stretch, but I did get to know him slightly, and then I did some work with him. Where people had contacted me with a kid who's sick and whatnot. Can they meet a jazz player? So I got jazz with P- PR, and a lot of times they would go to him. Because he'd say, absolutely, he'd do it. Yeah. And so he really, really kind person. Uh, and I know they tried to get him to work with uh, Cantor when they drafted Cantor. Uh, and Cantor was... It just didn't just come to together. A, trying to be a goofball. It <laughs> yeah. seemed like he was more interested in being a goofball than he was is about being committed to being a great basketball player. And obviously, they're from the same country and spoke the same language and so forth. And they wanted him to take the game a little more seriously. Uh, so they had had uh, O'Kerr try to talk with him. O'Kerr, I can't say enough about him. Uh, what a great dude he was while he was here. I haven't talked to him in years now. Although I did see him, they brought him up. Uh, he was going to go to a playoff game 
uh, might have been the year that uh, Hayward was there with Joe Johnson and and those guys when they when they won that first thing and they had a playoff game here, and so my plan was to go over to Bonneville to get in nine and then come over and do the jazz pregame and stuff on the radio, and uh, so I'm crossing the street there on one, and I'm going over to hole two, and who do I see teeing off on hole three? Okur. <laughs> <laughs> And he's yeah talking. Well, you going to the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I'd just come over and play a little bit. Then I'm going to go over the game. What are you doing? Yeah, I thought I'd just come over and play a little bit and then go to the game. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. All right, DJ and PK. There's Cleveland Guardian story and uh, brushes with greatness with famous athletes. After that, coming up, we will get to the question of the day. We got Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, joining us at eight thirty. I saw the first interview before the first tournament of the year and thought of you torturing yourself oh i was watching it yesterday yeah Yeah. i definitely was i'm gonna be watching it today i played that course i've been maui baby yeah i've been over there i've been over there probably twice on my own and then i was there three times for work i had the jazz game on and i had to uh and I was anchoring last night, and I came back, and it was over, obviously, and they'd gone into Scott Van Pelton Sports Center, and they says, and now I will torture myself sitting here in Washington, D.C., and we will bring in Andy North from Maui. Thought of you. Well, I'm going to go there when it's all said and done, and I'm going to spend the whole week there. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280's The Zone. The question of the day, the Jazz get the win, shorthanded at Denver. Reaction to that on the way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Frank Dolce right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Looking ahead to next season, Tavian Thomas, let's just assume he's back. Cam Rising's back. You do lose one of the best defensive players that's ever played at the University of Utah, Devin Lloyd. But the scene does seem to be set for this team to be really good again next year, don't you think? This is a football team that has significantly fewer question marks heading into 2022 than they did in 2021. With that in mind, with what looks like a staff that should still be intact, and with some terrific young players who really performed well this year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the South, but I think it's still a conference and a division that Utah can dominate, especially this coming season. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com DJ and then PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, is coming up at 9 o'clock. Talk Jazz with him. They got the win last night. They beat the Nuggets. The shorthanded Jazz beat the shorthanded Nuggets. Question of the morning. Oh, how about the Jazz winning in Denver? Missing several players. Moses said small ball looking good. Bogey and Gay came up huge. Was that the Moses? No. I do not believe it's the Moses. It's Moses Sanchez. Well, we actually, we don't know Moses' last name. You know what I mean? All those biblical people, they didn't give we us We got an idea name, on the Which age. is ironic, because here, it's a big deal on the initials. Mm-hmm. But back then, you didn't even get the middle initial. So do you want to talk about the jazz or not, PK? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> okay. Just want to know what Moses it was. Dave says the Jazz stepping up without their two big guys. That was good. Bogey was impressive. Can't argue that. 
The question is, can they do it again and again and again? That's the best the small ball has looked. No, well, who's they? You mean the collective? The small ball group. Can they See, do the, that again? I don't even. I don't know that they need to do that again. Really? Yeah, because Gobert's going to play. They won't need to do it for a whole game, but they will need to do it in stretches. Well, of course they can do it in stretches. Why not? There's, they're all accomplished players. The, the, the thing that excited me most about this ball game, you always have the immediacy on mind, right? Because that's what the task at hand is. But then with this team, because they're of the level, you're looking playoff. Yes. So you got two things. So you got a little double vision going on here, right? You've got the immediacy, and then you got the postseason, right? Because ultimately that's how it's going to be decided. Dirk Nowitzki talked about that in his. Uh, they did an interview, actually, I think, with ESPN before the game. Uh, and then I flicked over on NBA, NBA TV and watched his ceremony. And in the interview before the game, you know, you got 100 moments, 1,000 moments, which ones stand out? And he said he went right to the postseason. You know, because that's where it's at, in uh, probably in all leagues, but this league in particular. You know, baseball, you can be an MVP without getting in the postseason. Right? That's never going to happen in the NBA. Obviously, the way it's set up, it's all about the postseason in terms of ultimate reputation. So you got to have your f- eyes on two things, the front and then the back end. And what I took from this game was that they've got options. They've got more options of guys who can help them than they had last year. And that is good because if you just have a formula to win and if you get out of that formula – you're basically hosed. Now, for years, it was the statues. And those dogs played 82 in every playoff game every year, basically. So you were good to go in a large amount of times because they never missed. It was a huge story if they didn't play, right? Well, here, it's not. And then in the postseason, even then, you've got injury issues. Well, the more guys you can have to step up and contribute to what needs to be contributed with the replacement of the injured player or the player who's off that night, the better. And that's what I took from that. Because Bogdanovich said, i got to step up my game here, right? I'm sure Quinn Snyder told him, but he probably gets it already. And he did. And Rudy Gay, i got to make sure that I come through here tonight because I'm going to be counted on maybe a little bit. I'm not going to be so much a complimentary player tonight as I have been basically the whole season. Bogdanovich, same type of thing. Now, Clarkson, Mitchell, Conley, they're going to do their things, right? And you hope they're available to do their things. But the fact that these other guys stepped up, and O'Neal getting 11 boards, I got to board more. The more options you have to help you win, the better. Well, there's no doubt about that, and that looked really different, and I think within games you need options. Yes, and so that's why the small ball now, they're not going to have to play that much. Obviously, Denver was also shorthanded. Denver is not looking like it. Well, certainly this Denver lineup is not an elite playoff team. When they will be an elite playoff team again well, it remains to be seen. But Yeah, but it's not about the opposition with the Jazz. I, just, I don't care. It, does, it doesn't matter to me. Do you care even when they're playing the Suns and the Warriors and the Nets? And then the other... Yeah, but who's available? Yep. If those three teams have their whole team, which obviously the Warriors didn't have Draymond and didn't have Clay, 
If the Jazz play the best of their ability, they've got an excellent chance to win. To me, it's about them. The other night, they didn't play anywhere near the best of their ability, and the Warriors got them. All right, that's no big surprise. That's going to happen. All right? It's just like last night, the Warriors didn't play anywhere near their ability, and, <laughs> and the Dallas got, got them. them. Right. right. So those, those things are givens. It's what can the Jazz do when we, right now, as we slog through January, February, March, and half of April before the season postseason starts, what can they do to find ways to play to their best of their ability? And I don't want them to play to their best of their ability now. And I don't think they don't say it because you don't want to say, yeah, well, you know, who really cares? We're not playing to the best of their ability. You can't say that. But they've spoken, and Locke has spoken about Game 70. You know, he's hammered that multiple times. And he's not just – he didn't pick that number out of the sky. He's being told that. That's the whole goal. And I can remember having a conversation once in a locker room with Hornacek when he was a player. And he was talking about last 10 games. And I think he referenced, if I remember the interview right, he referenced Cotton Fitzsimmons, who had a major impact on his NBA career. Former Suns coach. Right. And Jeff would have played for him early in his career right. because Jeff 80s. was a legit yeah. player and remembered his coach's names. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, of course, good call. <laughs> Thank you. And so he said... That I, if I remember correctly, it's like Cotton said, okay, we got 10 games to go. We really got to hone in now, you know, because the finish line is right there and the starting point is right there. And I remember Jeff specifically saying that. I, I, was, on, I was on a road. Uh, they sent me down and I covered a Clipper game or something. I don't remember. But I can remember sitting on like a cement slab in a visiting locker room with Hornacek just talking. Uh-huh. And it, it would have been, because I would have been done with my basketball covering the Utes then, so it would have been after late March, early April. And right. they were right in that 10-game stretch. And he was talking about that. So that's where Locke's getting it, because that's where it's at. And at that point, you really want to be kicking butt, because then that's going to lead you in. And they're not there yet, so it's not super crucial that they do that but the eye is always on that. And there's and you just named the teams who are probably in the same situation, right? Would you come up with four? I think you gotta throw the Bucks in there too, since yep. they have a track record. So now we're up to five. And by record you could put the Bulls in and now you're done. And if you want to, sure. And there are plenty of people. I give you six teams, and usually we say two to three. And there are plenty of national media members who will dismiss the Jazz, who will dismiss the Bulls. You think they'll dismiss the Jazz? Oh, Plenty? Yeah. I'd argue with that. Stephen A. Smith just did it. I mean, he did it like a week ago. You no, know, you said plenty. You didn't say one. You said plenty. Okay, well, that's one off the top of my head, but there'll be more. Uh, I disagree. I mean, he's paid to say stuff to rile up. Good mm-hmm. for him. I wish I had a job like that. <laughs> I think you do. It just doesn't pay as well as his. <laughs> he's got more commas and more zeros in his salary than you have in yours. He's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. More reaction to the Jazz win coming up. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, on the start of the PGA Tour. They're back, baby. It's a continuation of the tour. It is a continuation. Do this weird thing in the fall with the start of the tour. I don't buy it. Right? This is the unofficial official start. This is opening day. Yeah. DJ and PK with Brian Taylor coming up at 8.30. More on the Jazz next. Stay with us. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz win again. They extend the winning streak on the road. Home has been an issue, but look at them on the road. 14-3. and That'll work, yeah. Tied with the Brooklyn Nets for the best road record in the NBA. You love the pace crap. I never get into it, but what pace is that? Uh, what what pace is for fourteen and three over the course of a road? Your forty one one. Your forty one road games. If you're fourteen and three, what pace are you on to win? You got me. Yeah, but you love that crap. Sorry, I don't I mean, have it. I mean, can you figure it out? I didn't realize you'd have it <laughs> off the top of your head. Okay, I'll get I it. You would for take you. a second, and I didn't need. Inst- I, I was going to say probably thirty four or thirty five wins somewhere in there. No, probably 33 or 34. I'll figure it out. I'll get back to you. They're on a 60-win pace for the season as a whole, and the Suns and Warriors even even better than that. Well, the Jazz are only a game and a half back. Yep, they're right there. They're right there. Picked up a game on the Warriors because the Warriors, that was shocking. The Warriors scoring 82 points and a loss in Dallas. I mean, they're going to lose some games, but I wouldn't think they'd lose 99-82. And there it is. Yeah, but if you're going to suck, suck. You're not going to suck very long, and you're going to get a big boost with Thompson coming back. Yep. And Steph Curry was 5 for 24, and there aren't going to be many more of those nights for him. I'm sure he was forcing it a little bit, knowing that it was a national TV game, and people were talking about Dirk Nowitzki. Did you hear what uh, Barkley said? No. He said uh, he saw, I don't know if it was in the States or uh, overseas, he saw Nowitzki play as like a 16, 17-year-old. Uh-huh. And he told him that right then, he told him, he said, I'll give you anything you want to come to Auburn. You name it, I'll give it to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Nowitzki wasn't any of the college things. Straight to the pros. He did go straight to the pros. But you don't know, I mean, he just... Detlef Schramp and some other German guys have come other, over. Other guys have. Christian Welp. <laughs> Christian Welp. <laughs> the fun name to say. <laughs> Nikolaus Skidishvili. Is he from Germany? No, he's from Germany. No. Oh, he's oh, from oh. Germany. Oh, you're just talking about fun names. Fun names, come on. Okay. Sharunis Marshallonis. Yeah, that was a, a fun name. There, there you go. There. Tough kid. His son is on St. Mary's. Oh, really? He yeah. is. Yes. Yeah. Who yeah. were supposed to play BYU Saturday. Saturday. Hopefully not. he can come off. But uh, The St. Mary's Santa Clara game tonight. Tonight has been canceled. Canceled, right. Postponed. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. I believe his son is a freshman he there. Uh, he's in the rotation. He may even be starting for, uh, and St. Mary's returned just about everybody off their, off their team last year. But uh, Marcelona's junior. I don't know his first name, but uh, I know he's on that ball club. He was he was actually a fun player, fun player to watch. Yeah, big time. So I think it's I think it's great for the game to see these foreign guys come over and be stars, not just be one trick ponies, but be big time stars. And obviously, Nowitzki is the biggest star that the Mavericks have to offer, and he got him. It's almost like it's cute that he got the one title, not three, four, five. Why? Because he had to struggle to get there. Yes. You know, he was MVP. They got knocked out in the first round. Right, but lots of people who've gotten three, four, or five still had struggles. I know. I get that. I guess you can argue he had more. But the desire was to get to the mountaintop. Uh-huh. And he got to the mountaintop. In my mind, that you got to the mountaintop that one time with basically a ragtag team. 
Not a ton of, you know, you had Jason Kidd and Sean Marion at the end. Right. Not kid, prime. Kidd was not what he was. And Marion right. was a high flyer in Phoenix and yep. all that. And so he got that. Tyson Chandler was a nice defensive center. Um, the little guy from Puerto Rico was on that team. What's his name? J.J. Beret. Yeah. Yeah. A little fan favorite because he's like, he's like the Britton Covey of the NBA. Yep. You know what I mean? And so, but those, I mean, they were nice players. But so he got them there. And that's all you needed to validate it. It's like, well, if you, if you got it three, four, five times, well, yeah, you were better than everybody. I mean, he, was a, he was a seven-footer who was a lot better than everybody. But I guess you can say not everybody because not LeBron. He wasn't better than LeBron. Oh, I don't think he was better than Duncan. I don't think he was better than Kobe. And he had to beat LeBron and Dwayne Wade to get there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's cool. And it's a cool story coming over. Just some gangly kid. Uh and it's almost cooler to get one, as long as you're the guy. If you're Sean Marion, nobody remembers you even on the team. Right. You remember catching dog passes from Nash. No, it's the guy. The, the guy gets it. We were talking about yeah. it yesterday, one of the TV shows we have on, uh, TV's on in here in the studio, and they were saying, you know, what would another championship mean to Kyrie's legacy? Well, I don't think it would mean much of anything to Kyrie's legacy, because I think it'll mean something to Durant's legacy. And I think the first title meant something to LeBron's legacy. Well, and Harden, too. So, Kyrie would find himself kind of in the Dwayne Wade situation. Mm, and I'm hesitant to put him in the Dwayne well, Wade that's situation. Because, that's because of how they carry themselves in groups of people. And Wade always seems like Dwayne the Wade ro- is the Denzel rock. Washington. <laughs> of, I, I get of it. Acting and, and he's so and, cool. And Irving's way over here, and he's you a, don't know what he's going to do he's next. A, and he's it, it's a job. it's a I mean, sideshow, yeah, yeah. and it's just I get that. But the the point where there's a comparison is when you are the second best player. I don't think that Kyrie is the second best player on that team. You think he's the third best? Yeah. yeah. Then it means even less to his legacy. I would never put Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving in the same sentence. They're not the best player on the championship teams. I still wouldn't put him on so the when same we talk about I wouldn't Dwayne put him Wade. on the same plane. So when we talk about Dwayne Wade, do we talk about Dwayne Wade's championships, or do we talk about I talk about Denzel. Dwayne Wade with reverence. Right. But you don't count up championships the way you do with guys who are the best player on the team. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily knock it. I agree. I mean, you, you, with that logic, you'd have to knock Kobe. And who is knocking Kobe? But it's Nobody. different. Nobody. I get it, but it's different. What's different? Whether you're the best guy or the second best guy on the team. Can't you be right there? Does there have to be a delineation, the Grand Canyon, between one and two? There usually Not, is. I there don't isn't think so. always. There isn't always, but there usually is. Uh, and and in, in the Dwayne Wade situation, in the Kobe situation, I don't think there is. Now, it's the same player, ironically, with Shaq. Mm-hmm. But I don't think... That I'm well, I'm taking Shaq over Kobe 100% of the time. He was the man, and that other guy was second fiddle. Kobe was not second fiddle. That was more a one and one A. That's what I'm which talking is about. Rarely, rarely happens, but there are other examples, and you can go back and you can probably go forward too. Oh, I think you can go back plenty of times. You can go all the way back. Dr. J and Moses Malone were one and one A. How, the Knicks won a couple of titles. 
Now you're getting way back. I, that's what I just yeah. said. Right. And the 70s, and the Lakers, when they and, won their one. And the 70s were a different decade. Then. The 70s were a different decade. There weren't the dynasties. There wasn't the... Lots of teams. You think it was cool to get one. Know. There were lots of people getting one or two. I mean, even the Knicks, two were separated over the course of four years. Which makes so, it even better. There was a core of guys who, were, who did yeah, both. Yeah, right. But over four years, there's also quite a bit of change on NBA rosters. Those were my Knicks, buddy. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little tiny PK running around the garden getting the free tickets. <laughs> I watched a ton of Nick Ball growing up. I knew all of those guys. John Gianelli coming off the bench. <laughs> okay. I, it's funny because even as a kid, I watched a ton of Knicks and I knew all about the Knicks, but I never lived and died with them. But I was a fan. But I was, uh, even as a boy, I took fandom different in the manner that is normally associated with fandom, although I watched Nick Ball all the time. And it was a big, big deal with Red Holtzman and the Knicks and going to the garden as a boy. You would have thought that I was literally going to heaven. Christmas morning. Are you kidding me? Man, wow. And the one time I went over the Christmas break, and it was a matinee, and I had a dentist appointment before, and I was so excited, I barfed on the dental assistant's (laughs) hand, who happened to be my sister. (laughs) And the dentist, you know whose name is? Dr. Rappaport. That's a fun name. It's Dr. Rappaport. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys, I mean, who was the who was the man then? And I I don't differentiate the Walt Frazier. He, he was the man, sure, but there was a lot of men. Yeah. Earl Monroe was a big part of the second team, but he wasn't on the first team. No, they had Dick Barnett. <laughs> okay, now let's bring it back to somebody that other people remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. He's a left-hander, shot a jump shot, and he he curled his legs back up. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I, I don't know that there has to be a difference. Like here, if the Jazz get it, are they going to have one the man? I would say no. We'll have to see how the games play out because that will sell who it is, but I get your point. The Rudy is so dominant at one end of the court, and we assume if they win a championship, Donovan will be dominant at the other end of the court. Does uh, Rudy has to be dominant for them to win. Does Mitchell have to be dominant for them to win? I can answer that by saying no. Not in every game. He's going to have to play very well. Right. Obviously. But, but there'll be a night where Bogey goes for 36 like he went for in Denver last night. And so n- not every night. You won't be the leading scorer every night, but Rudy will be the rim defender every night. He has to be. He does. Yes. He does. And I think but I, that, I, but I don't think they're going to win a title with Donovan <laughs> scoring 22 points a game and shooting 32 percent from three and 44 from the floor. I mean, he's going to do what he did against the Clippers. He's going to go 39 nine and nine, or they're not going to win the title. A 39 nine and nine is awesome, right? But he's going to do that if they're going to win the title, just like he went for well, 50 then he whatever the in the bubble. Then he would be the man. right, but not every night. So I can't guarantee. Like Kobe gets his fifth title. And Pau Gasol's going off in the fourth quarter of Game Seven. Then Kobe's yeah, hugging but, him and saying, "You you saved us and you bailed us out." But see, that's part of being the man. Kobe's still the guy. That's part of the being the man. It's like Algier yeah. against SC. He's gassed and he knows he can't do what he can yeah, do. Right. So get somebody else in there. So Kobe being the man, and I think Mitchell would fall in that same category if Bogey or whomever has really got it going on. You've got no problem deferring. Because, and that, that was the ultimate 
of Magic Johnson. He could take over. Magic if he Johnson had to. understood that I better just than saw, anybody in the I, history of the game. I just saw an interview that when he hit that hook shot, that other stuff had happened, and he was like, "I'm bleeping shooting the ball. I'm 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 not passing this ball." And so they go slow motion, and they interview Kareem, and Kareem's like. I was wide open. I had a layup or a dunk. <laughs> he did not have to shoot that shot. But Magic already decided, I'm not passing this. I'm making this shot. I'm not trusting anybody else. And so when Kareem's talking, they slow it down frame by frame. And like, and I've seen that play a million times, and I watched it live when it happened, and like, Kareem does come wide open. And I don't know why I didn't see that. But you're right. He deferred a million times and passed the ball and trusted and then when they needed a shot to beat the buzzer, there is a whole collage of nothing but Magic Johnson buzzer beaters. We really need one, and we need one right now, so I'll hit it. Yeah. And I think that's where the Jazz this year in the regular season have struggled a little bit. Because I think Mitchell thinks that he's got to take that shot. And he doesn't. There's been, it seems like, and I'd have to go back, and Locke can probably scream at the radio right now if he's listening, and there's been times that hasn't happened. But in my mind, the amateur vision that I have, it seems like he Run a pick and roll, run the mixer. I've got to shoot And it. let the ball move. As opposed to Donovan, I'm going to beat the guy in front of me and get into the paint. Yeah, and there's been some stuff that... He gets stripped. The ball's still below his waist. It actually happened in the Denver game last night. He, he drove and he got deep in the paint. And the ball was still below his waist. And somebody got a hand on it and popped it out. And it was a turnover. I think they got to work on that. So when they get in that situation, they've got to make sure. I've got no problem with him with the ball. But they got to know if the blender doesn't work to get it back to him where he has enough time to do it at the end of the clock. It's a tricky balance. They've got so much offensive firepower that any number of guys, Bogdanovich has proven he can do it. In my mind, there's no doubt Conley can do it. Uh, even the shot that he missed two years ago in the bubble. Barely. Yeah, and I mean, he was just, running full speed. He was running full speed. Pull up, yeah. and the thing was halfway down. Yeah. It didn't go, but, but it was sort the, of fate. It was the full speed and not getting his legs completely under him. He yeah. was floating a little bit, and that makes it tough. But it was, but yeah. it was a heck of a shot. It was. It was halfway yeah. down. Yeah, and then fate kicked out. It could have just as easily. So I've got no problem with him doing it. If he's uh, got to take a big shot. Yeah, you know, and I find it interesting in those situations, they don't tend to have Clarkson in the game. Clarkson is there to carry the bench. Did you see the ultimate Jordan Clarkson possession last night? He brings the ball up court. It's hilarious. He drives into the paint, and he really does have this sixth sense. He's like, they're switching, and maybe this is the injuries and the Nuggets haven't had their guys play together enough, and there's some young guys on the court. They're switching in the paint, and he realizes, and anyone could have switched on to him, but Bull Bull did, and there were like three guys there. And so he realizes, oh, I'm okay. And so he starts to dribble out. And as he dribbles out, a guy comes from behind and pokes the ball away. So he tracks it down to half port, half court. And the Nuggets probably had a chance to switch back so they didn't have Bull Bull versus Jordan Clarkson. You have to say Bull Bull. I do. I like to say it. It's a fun name. Back to Skittish Feely. More fun names. Yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, in fact, I think uh, uh, Alicia and Freddie should have done that with you. I think you should be James James. I'm glad they didn't do that. I think it would be cool if you were Jimmy James. Jimmy James! Jimmy James. Go ahead, Jimmy James. Story. And so Clarkson looks like he's going to take him out of the drive, and he pulls up, and then he banks in the three. And like nobody else on the team touched the ball. It was wildly entertaining. It worked. They got three points. 
It can't possibly be the way Quinn drove, drew it up. It was the ultimate Jordan Clarkson possession. He's got more moves than John Travolta in Saturday night. Uh, was it uh, Fever? Was that it? Yes. Yeah. Don't you think so? In fact, didn't they, they redid version of the Wonder Years here this year? Yeah, I saw, I saw a promo for it. I haven't they, seen the show. They had it with an African-American family. I would like to see a remake of Saturday Night Fever and have Jordan Clarkson do it. You guys got moves. He could be the next Tony Monero. A little showbiz in the offseason. I, I know you did, but I wasn't going to give you up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember Tony Monero. I didn't either. He's an Italian guy. Once you said it, I knew it was right, but I didn't remember it. That guy can move. He's there. He's here. He's back over here. Then he goes over there. Exactly. And your head's spinning. My eyes dilate when I watch him do that. (laughs) And he does it about two or three times a game. And he manages somehow to get off a good shot. You're thinking, oh, no way. Not this time. But he does it. But yet in those late game situations, he's on the bench. I find that interesting since he can provide a whole bunch of offense, particularly if things aren't going well on that particular on that individual possession. He'll still find a way now you have shot clock, game clock sometimes prevents mm-hmm. all that stuff. But should he be in there? If they got the ball, they're down one and they got the ball with fifteen seconds to go, should he be in the game? So I don't know that he comes in with 15 seconds, but I think if memory serves me right, he has come in when there's been three or four. That he's been subbed back in. But what he doesn't do is play the last three or four minutes. But, but three seconds, you, don't, you can't really use his strengths. With 15 seconds, he can dribble all, all over the right. place. Should he be in with 15 they, seconds? Answer my question. It, 15 seconds ago, you're down by one. Should he be in the game? My gut reaction is no. My gut reaction enough, is overwhelmingly yes. There's enough. You ought to be able to know at this point. you got enough data to know points per possession, all oh, that. If you draw something up, crap. What, what possession Can't of the— Can't you ever go by your gut? What, yeah, I just did. I told you no. And then you went into data points. You're David James. You're not David James. You're David Fisdale. <laughs> Take that's that a, for data. That's a good, that's a nice that's a nice impression. That I don't was have the, I, that was a great you also that was a great the, post game. The, the pound on the table as he that did was a, yeah that was a great post game. He he that was awesome. I mean, it wasn't Denny Green good, but it was really good. All right, DJ and PK, we got more people weighing in. Uh, wasn't Denver missing several key players too? Yes. Not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Too late, this guy. It's not about the opposition. It's about passing the eye test. Yeah, I mean, they're Denver. It's a watered-down Denver team. There's no every, Everybody knows that. Everybody they didn't even have their coach. Popeye handled it. Yeah. Classic. He should have come out with a little cigar. and a <laughs> <laughs> He's probably tired of that. <laughs> it's entertainment, though. That's true. And he's actually, I think, the third in the I think the top two are out. It's not just Michael Malone. Yeah, I can't call him Michael Malone. I'm sorry. I know, but that's the whole point of doing it. I can't I can't do it. Nobody called him Michael Malone until he said that. True story. Everybody called him Mike Malone. I couldn't believe when he said it, he was all fired up. I call him Brendan's son. There you go. <laughs> all right, DJ PK. We're going to Hawaii mentally. Next, Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, PGA Tour, Tournament of Champions, Maui. The real start to the season. Not that fake official thing that already happened. We'll talk with Brian Taylor next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. 
Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. Golf is back in the news. Sweet. The weather is good somewhere. Maui, as it turns out. Brian, good morning. J.J. Barea is the Britain Covey of the NBA. That is the line of the day right there. <laughs> you like that. I, I almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard. That was great. It's well true. done, sir. Thank you. Am I a complete and total uh, homer living on the west side of the country? Salt Lake is as far east as I've ever lived. Uh, everywhere else I lived is in California. Am I a total homer for thinking that from now through the LA Open is the best stretch of the PGA Tour? That's just me Not. being a homer, isn't it? I, no, I, I love it. I love it. And I don't, I don't think the West Coast gets the respect that it deserves, to be honest. You know, back in the, back in the day, you know, with the Ernie Yelzes and, and uh, you know, the, a lot of the international big stars, they wouldn't come play over here on the West Coast because it was so far to come, right? And um, from South Africa or otherwise. And, and so they would just show up in Florida. So a lot of times you wouldn't see uh, some, some of these top players. And, but, you know, the, the West Coast has got some great events. To me, the PGA Tour, I love the nostalgia and the tie-ins of, of, of uh, players and, and, and bygones, right? So you think about the West Coast, and they all had names, right? You had the Andy Williams and, of course, the Bob Hope and the Bing Crosby. Yeah. I mean, I love that stuff, right? To me, that, that's what that's – what was, there, there was a cachet to that. There was something you could identify with. And, uh, you know, the – the West Coast is cool. I, I think I'm with you, DJ. I, I love the West Coast swing. Yeah, I've been to every one of those. I haven't played every one of them. I've been to every one of them. I've played a few. In fact, I've, I'm proud to say I broke 100 on the plantation course at Kapalua. boy. <laughs> well, look, at least you can say you've played it. I have not played the plantation course, so you got that going for you. Yeah, yeah. I've been over there a few times uh, on my own and with work, and so... I'm very much looking forward to this tournament. I, I tell DJ that every year I make sure I watch as much as possible these next two months just to torture myself thinking, it's snowing outside, I could be there. It's snowing outside, I could be there. Uh, and one of these days I'm going to be there. And I'm, I'm definitely going to go to this tournament. I have a friend of mine, and uh, he was there a few years ago. And he told me it was just absolutely awesome. And he was standing there um, outside the ropes, and there's not that many people there. And he was following Rory, and Rory sees him. And as Rory's walking past him, Rory extends his arm and gives him bones. And, uh, nice. So, yes, he gave him bones back. And then, and then my friend, he's texting me. And I'm sitting at home here, and he's there. He lives here, too. And he's texting me, and he's saying he, he wants to go see where Dustin Johnson is next. And he's telling me about what just happened. And so I'm directing him where to go because I'm watching it in my house uh, t- 
telling him, okay, he's on the 13th hole. You need to go go this way, go that way, because I can watch it. Technology today is awesome. So I'm definitely going to be watching this one this afternoon and through the rest of the week. And as I go big picture, there's three things. You know, we do this draft with Casper, and I'm going to demand going forward that I get Rom every time. He's my. I'm going to pick him every time because I think I think he's set up. And I also think this year, I think we're going to see a breakout of two players. One player is already on the verge of breaking out, and that's Morikawa. And then I'm going to go with Victor Hovland as my other guy. And when we get to this time next year, I think we're going to look back and we'll see those guys really emerge. There's a lot to unpack from what you said there. Um, you, you know, first of all, Maui's a group, from what I hear. I'm like I said, I haven't been over to that tournament, but uh, it's it's obviously a short field, and not a lot of people travel all the way over there to to watch golf. And so you get an opportunity to get up close with the guys, and so it's a great story with Rory. Um, I love to soak it in. It feels like the kickoff of the season, even though the season technically started back in October. Feels like the official kickoff. You sit here in the cold in the snow and you look at the beautiful views there at, at Kapalua and then you come back to you know the desert and, and up the west coast so in you know Phoenix of course and, and that whole party but uh, as far as breakout guys I mean Morikawa's I mean that that's an easy one right I mean the guy's played two full years on tour and he's got two majors he's he's the he's the next gen ball striker on the PGA tour he's that guy he's a Johnny Miller type of a ball striker. His iron game is just, you know, he's tiger-like in his iron game. Um, so he's, and he's shown that, you know, when he gets out there in the lead, he's, he's tough to catch and it doesn't make a lot of mistakes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's number two in the world, uh, had an opportunity to go to number one at the Hero Tigers event back in December, but, you know, he, he's going to have some other chances. He'll have some chances this week if he were to go on and win. He'd be number one in the world. So, yeah, I think Morikawa continues that rise. He doesn't seem like, uh, you know, he's so solid in all the fundamentals. You just don't see him having a, a slip. Um, Victor Hovland is, is, has had high expectations since he came out of college. He, as an amateur playing at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, he, you know, had, had a good week that week, a lot of attention and, and a lot of expectations. And, you know, he comes out with that class with Morikawa and Matthew Wolf, And, you know, th- th- that, that group is it's stacked. It, it kind of reminds you of the Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, you know, group that, that came out before them. And so, yeah, I, I want one of my stories, you know, we're, that, that we're going to talk about on the show is this this continuing rise of this next generation. And I'd throw the Will Zalatoris and Sam Burns in there as well. You know, there's just some great young players that are going to continue to grow and emerge that grew up watching, you know, guys like Tiger go out and do what they do. And the guys aren't afraid to win. They get right out there on tour. They're not afraid to win. It's not like the PGA Tour of old where you had to cut your teeth and, and then you won majors in your 30s. It's, it's, these guys come right out and, and win and, and, and get after it. So what about the guys and the generation that now is moving into their 30s, even if they aren't all there, the guys who came out and cut their teeth and won two, three, or four majors, and they can add to the list, they can uh, make their name in the game, or they've had some injuries, they made a lot of money, maybe they got married and their priorities shifted, but they're, are they set up for big years. You can, yeah, start, I think you can start with Rory or Jordan or wherever you want. Yeah, I think Battle of the Stars is, you know, and I think uh, you, you, we've got a lot of them. Rom, Morikawa, JT, Spieth, McElroy, DJ, Xander, Patrick Cantlay, who's coming off a four-win season and the FedEx Cup champ. 
Bryson and Brooks, you know, Tony Finau picking up his second win. So um, all those players that were on the U.S. Ryder Cup team, the momentum they're going to take and the confidence out of that, I think, is going to be massive this year. So I think you're going to see all those guys battle, you know, along with the, the younger guys that we just mentioned with the Hovlins and Zalatoris, Wolves and Burns and that. So uh, I, I, I think, you know, starting with Rom, uh, look, I'm with, I'm with PK. I think you should pick him every time a major comes around. He, he just came off his first win there at Torrey Pines. He's He's massive. I was watching a Callaway product launch uh, feature, and, and he and, and Xander were on the tee box together. And, I mean, Xander's not as big as, as, as uh, you know, the trunk of, of John Rahm. I mean, the guy's just got so much power, and uh, he's, he seems to be maturing. You know, he's a, he's a dad now. It seems to settle him down. He seems a little more grounded and, you know, trying to control that temper that cost him, I think, a lot of tournaments early in his career. But he's got so much talent. So yeah, John Rahm's number one in the world. Does he does he hold on to it? Does he is he a dominant number one? I think that's going to be an interesting storyline this year because again, as you mentioned, Morikawa can take that over, and I think you'll see more of a carousel of that number one. Not because of a, a negative commentary on not having a dominant player, but I think you've got such great players in the aggregate. You're going to see you know uh, more parity. Uh, with I think Justin Thomas is going to have a big year. He got the Players Championship win, shooting 64, 68 on the weekend. He had seven top tens. Jordan Spieth seems to have found his stride, got back in the winner's circle. You know, he's a new dad. You know, he seems the swing is coming back. He's making those putts again, you know, that he was, was really famous for back in 2015-16. Rory McIlroy is, you know, I mean, that, that guy, he's coming up on Augusta. It'll be now the eighth time, I believe, that he's had an opportunity to complete the career grand slam by winning the green jacket. And that's going to be a big storyline going into Augusta. DJ, you know, is he? I mean, look, the guy was the leading points. What did he go five and zero at the Ryder Cup, and and yet kind of had a down year for for a guy like like Dustin Johnson, who was most recently world number one. Um, so th- those are those are some of the storylines, and then I expect a lot out of uh, out of Tony Finau. You know, um, again, what wh- what will happen after his back-to-back missed cuts in the summertime at the U.S. Open and Travelers. He averaged 68.5 over his last six events, including that win at the Northern Trust. His putter's uh, looking better. So a um, lo- lot of good storylines. And, of course, everyone wants to know when Tiger will come back. That, that'll, that'll certainly dominate. I think parody is a dangerous word, though. It sounds good. And if, if you're into it, if you're hardcore, Parody is great because you're there. You're there all the time. But for the business aspect of it, I wonder how good parody is because I don't know that we'll ever have a time, and it's impossible to say that, but I'll say it anyway, that we'll have a time of interest in golf that Tiger Woods brought. I don't know that we'll ever be able to recreate that. And there wasn't parody, but yet it was like a golden error because he drew so many people in. So from the business side of it, and golf is basically a niche sport. I love it, and it's not a niche sport to me, but I get its place on the sports spectrum. Do they really want parity from a business standpoint, or do you want the one dominant, or maybe you have a second guy, so you have like a magic and a bird type of thing in the, in the NBA's glory days? You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, no, exactly. And, and uh, is it too early to throw Charlie Wood's name out there? Just asking. Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I meant to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, there, Woods is going to break uh, Nicholas's record. It's just going to be Charlie. I mean, come <laughs> on. My goodness, that swing is a thing of beauty. You know, uh, look, to your point, there's nobody watched. There wasn't as many eyeballs on a PGA Tour event as there was with Tiger and Charlie, you know, on a hit and giggle. I mean, it's just he, Tiger does that, right? I mean, he... 
he, there's not going to be another Tiger. And, and, and it's interesting that you said that you don't know there'll be another ex- era of excitement like Tiger brought. And I think it's because Tiger completely turned the sport on its ear. I mean, do you remember the first interview we did with Curtis Strange? He goes, what's your expectations? And he says, my expectation is to win. And Curtis laughed at him on camera. And he <laughs> says, you'll learn. Well, we learned, right? We all learned that Tiger was different. He turned a sport. He took a, you know, he took the Craig Stadler. Uh, and again, that's not a knock on, on the walrus, but that was sort of the look of the PGA Tour. And he took it to this, you know, young, uh, flexible, strong, athletic uh, approach and just dominated. So we, we were all sort of like, what is this? And Bryson's done that a little bit, but it's so, but he hasn't, he hasn't dominated the sport like Tiger, he hasn't taken over the sport. So I only put that as context because I think it's an interesting point, PK. Let's say the next Tiger, quote unquote, comes along and he starts doing Tiger like things. Are we going to be as interested or are we going to be like, yeah, we've seen this? It's not going to, it's not going to turn us on a ear like what Tiger did to PJ Tour. So um, I, I, that, that's my first comment. Second comment. I, I think that Tiger is still in the game enough, Phil popping in his popularity, and then this young group. I think there's enough stars that maybe they could make that up a little bit with the parity, a little bit, because the PGA Tour is in a good spot. On the women's side, we've got Nellie Korda yeah. in the U.S., number one player in the world. Okay, She is outstanding. She's got a terrific swing, and she's the first American, can you believe this, to hold the number one spot over from one season to the next. I mean, you got to go back to Nancy Lopez days before we saw anything like this. And so I think for women's, where, where the women's game is, having a dominant American player like Nelly, who's very popular, I think having someone like that that people can say, hey, is Nelly playing? I want to tune in and watch that. Like what we thought Michelle Wee would do, like we thought what Lexi Thompson would do. I think that's important where, they, where the LPGA is right now. That star power is important. The PGA Tour, it's always important, but I think there's enough of a group of them, and it's it that, that I think does that make some sense? Like I think that the group can hold their own just a little bit. Well, you talk about Nelly Corda, it's like Ginger and Marianne. Are you a Nelly or a Jessica? <laughs> well, 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 I'm not going to take it to that. But <laughs> that's her sister. I understand that's her sister. Uh, but I, I mean, N- Nelly looks like if I was betting. On the two, I would probably bet with Nelly. She seems to be, you know, she is the number one for a reason right now. And so, when you yeah. said the Walters, you know what I thought of? Craig. Cuckoo, cachoo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he's the Britain Covey of. J.J. <laughs> Verreur, man. That was a dead on comparison. <laughs> So, I think that anyway, your, I think your theory about the the group of guys can do it a little bit. You're basically saying they can't be Tiger. You're right; they can be interesting, and you're right; they can hold more than just the hardcore. And you will see it because there'll be tournaments where those guys don't largely don't play, and there won't be as many people at those tournaments. There won't be as many people watching those tournaments on TV. And then when you get back to what Bob calls the A and B plus events where most or all of them play, there will be more eyeballs on it. But it still won't bring what Tiger brought. And for what Tiger brought, you probably have to go back to when you had uh, Nicholas challenging Palmer. You know, yeah. you probably got to go back. It, it was probably a 35-year gap. And that's probably what we're waiting for again. But hockey's waiting for the next Gretzky. And the NBA wants to make LeBron the next Jordan, and it's awesome, but he's still not Jordan. Mm. I mean, mm. he's just, he's not. 
and fair. he's awesome, and he's dominating his era, and he's top five all time. But Jordan had the uh, a charisma thing that was just. I mean, it was a supernova. It was unbelievable. And Tiger had a charisma thing that nobody else has. And these other guys are awesome, and they have great stories. They don't have a Tiger had. You know, and, and I think it's unfair to, to suggest that anybody could, right? I mean, I think that's how special Tiger is. I mean, you, you go through and you go, hey, look what, look what these guys are doing. And then you realize Tiger did it like 10x, right? I mean, when you compare Tiger stats, when, whenever we do comparisons and Tiger's name comes up, it's noteworthy, and we, we'll talk about it. But then you put it into context for the length, the duration that Tiger held that highest level of play. That's, to me, what speaks. And Bob used to say this about Tiger back when we first started the show 23 years ago. Well, we'll see the longevity. And I'm like, look, Bob, the guy's like, you can't find a more athletic player. He's going to be healthy for forever. Well, it turns out he wasn't. But, you know, still, for him to maintain that level of play for a whole decade, you, just, you don't see it. And Phil Mickelson's a little bit that way, too. You know, he didn't have the dominating game because of Tiger, obviously. But still, to pick up 45, 46 wins, over the span and really not have any major injuries. It's, you know, Phil's what Phil did at the PGA last year was super exciting for golf. And I think, you know, that, that that's kind of a cool part of the game is you never know when that can happen. And we never know when, if that might come back and tiger might do that at some point in time. So people will tune in to see that too. And I, I, I guarantee at some point this, this year, tiger's going to tee it up um, based on what I saw last month, which shocked me. Uh, I think we'll see, I think we'll see tiger tee it up sometime this year, maybe St. Andrews which is relatively flat walk and it's the 150th open championship. And obviously he's won a couple of opens there already. So uh, that, that might be someplace we see, we see Tiger Woods, but when he does, yeah, it'll be, it'll be crazy. Um, what people will tune in to see. So get this. We know that 16 of Phoenix is very famous, right? And the Saturday before the tournament, I'm going to be at hole 16, not to play golf, they're going to have a concert there, and I'm going to see two of my favorite artists, Thomas Rhett and Old Dominion, and they're going to play. They're going to set up a stage at 16, and they're going to have a concert there. And I'm really? su- yeah. So uh, yeah, and the tickets went on sale, oh, like November, October, probably 10 minutes gone, and they're selling 20,000. So they they'll have the stadium seats there as they normally they take them down and then they put them back up right and so obviously they would be up by then because i played the course before in the summer and, and it, it's weird because it looks nothing like it because they've already taken everything down <clears throat> and then they'll have it back up so i'll be there on the saturday before as they call it the bird's nest and they have entertainment that goes along with the with the open uh with the waste management every night they have um various groups and these 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 artists are obviously country and they're going to start at the Saturday before. And uh, my wife and I and some friends from Arizona are going to go over there. So we're going to be there for a concert. And the, 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 it's going to be in the in the 16th hole. The bird's nest is right outside this day at the uh, Yeah, course. for the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's, you know what? That's, I hadn't heard of that. That's awesome. I'd love to see Old Dominion. I've seen Thomas Rhett. Um, but uh, I, I think that's great. I, that, that's the Phoenix. Phoenix is unique, right? Phoenix does PGA Tour golf different than everywhere else. And, and I love what they're doing. They're expanding that. They're bringing people to the golf course to watch a concert. I think that's outstanding. That's great stuff, great innovation. Um, more, pe- more chances to get people on the golf course, the better as far as a Grow the Game initiative. So I think that's totally cool. Get the party started Saturday before. 
Um, that's that's tremendous. And to bring it full circle, maybe that's why I like the Western Swing so much because there's so many distinctive courses and distinctive tournaments, and you get in the middle of the year and they all kind of run together in my mind. A little bit. I, I think there's more character uh, to the West Coast. Uh, you know, I, I think the Florida courses. You know, that is, do you really know the difference if it's you know, uh, you know the but the Valspar right. versus? But you, you know, know Phoenix, you know Maui, you know, you know Pebble. Bay Hill. You Bay Hill, obviously. There's a few yeah. that you know stand out. Right. TPC Sawgrass, right? Obviously. So, uh, real quick, just a quick plug. So, obviously, Augusta uh, hosting uh, the Masters as it does every year. Uh, the PGA's at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Um, Tigers won there. Chief Goosen's won there. Uh, U.S. Open to the Country Club at Brookline. Uh, that's the greatest game scene. You know, Francis, we met that. The 99 Ryder Cup there with the big comeback, Justin Leonard's putt. So that's going to be fun to see. We haven't seen, uh, I don't think, uh, an Open there since the 80s. Uh, and then, of course, the 150th Open at the old course at St. Andrews. So uh, should be should be a fun year for golf. And then a President's Cup at the end of the year. So uh, excited to kick things off this Saturday on the show. All right, thanks. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. We'll talk to him around the majors with Bob Casper. You'll hear them on Saturday mornings right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK Bowler's going to join us in about 10 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone as the Jazz win in Denver and get ready for Toronto. Bowler's coming up. Stay with us. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to talk uh, NBA basketball with Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, in our next segment here in just a couple minutes. There is college hoops tonight, PK, and I'm curious. My expectations for BYU are really low. The 12-3, and three, which is a good record. It's going to be tournament, man. They don't, have their, they don't have their big guys. The league does look a little better. Are they going to drop games along the way here? They got Pacific it tonight. It doesn't matter. they they got to be an NCAA tournament team. BYU TV tonight, 7 o'clock to see BYU and Pacific. It's supposed to be St. Mary's on the weekend, but St. Mary's can't play Santa Clara tonight, so this might be the only game of the week. I don't see how you don't think anything but NCAA tournament. Utah, no. Different situation. Utah, BYU, eight yes. 8-6, and, and six, hosting 5-6 and six Washington tonight. The 11th and 12th place teams in the Pac-12 are getting together at the Huntsman Center now, at 7.30. And I realize you were gutted with your big men. I get that. And a Triori kid is like a Charles Barkley. Uh, it reminds me, we'll, we can bring it up with uh, Steve Cleveland. It reminds me of, uh, what was that guy's name, uh, Celeste Rivers back in when Steve first took over. Undersized guy trying to play in the post. Uh but so what? I thought watching that first game he played when he got the start in Hawaii and he just went berserk right away, right in the first half. He was just dominating. I thought they got another Kenny Young on their hands. Uh, different kind of player. Still undersized. Yeah. More, but Kenny Young more, more wasn't way as, thicker. Yeah. Kenny Young was not nearly as thick no. as Traore. So they've got experience. They bring in experienced guys from the portal, Barcelo. They have enough scores. I mean, Barcelo, I count on him all day long. But then after that, it seems hit and miss. I mean, Loner's got to get going. He hasn't progressed 
to the level that I thought he would based on what I saw last year. We thought he'd be scoring more. I don't know what the deal is. I'm not sure. He'll defend and rebound. But I'm not going to write it off either. Uh, he's got to get going more. They, he's see the Jazz last night, right? They got a couple. They got some guys out, so they st- other guys say, "I got this." All right, now I need Loner to say, "I got this." I got two big guys out. I got to step up, so I got this. So, but I, I think they've got to shoot for NCAA tournament. Anything less is a disappointment, and that's what Pope has established, right? He's two for two, right? This is his third year. Right, and obviously it was they, a, even though they didn't have a tournament, yeah. that was a tournament team. So yeah, yes, I would count it as two for two, even though they didn't seed yeah. or play games. And I think it's important to go this year to build it up because, man, I haven't spoken to the basketball coaches. You don't have to, but the you transition know, that they're going to make. I've spoken to the football coaches, and the already, transition they're going to make yeah. is going to be tough. But you already know, looking at the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve is awesome. How's Baylor doing? It's a bleep. <laughs> this is going to be a bleep for these guys, man. There's no other way to say it. It is. So they've got to get ten. I think they can. The good thing is I expect their recruit because basketball obviously can make a difference. So yeah, I'm go now, go next year, and then ride into the Big Twelve on a what uh, basically a four for four NCAA tournament thing. And I'm not expecting them to have success in the NCAA tournament. It's another story. But get there this year. Well, it's got to be the goal. I just don't know how realistic a goal it is. And it's hard to say because they haven't been playing regularly since they lost their bigs against good competition. There have been some games that have been scheduled wins, and there's been a couple games with good competition, and then there's been a couple games canceled. And so that mix, it's hard to see them in any flow. But to your point about the Big 12 transition, well... (laughs) <laughs> They're sitting on five ranked teams right now. Yeah, Baylor's Baylor's undefeated, and there's three one-loss teams in Kansas, Iowa State, and TCU. You know, in football, at least you can say, "Well, Oklahoma's going away," so you're losing one of the big dogs. Oh yeah, but you're getting Cincinnati and Houston, and yeah. they're plenty good enough. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven-five at twelve eighty. The Zone Bowler is coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. He got a rare night off with the Denver game on ESPN. Is that true? Yeah. Bowler, good morning. Hey, Bowler, good morning. did you get the night off or did you have a parallel broadcast side by side? We, par- we went side by side. Oh, yeah. man, I was lied to. <laughs> I thought the- yeah. I, I was for sure. I, I watched some of happened, it locally. <laughs> yeah, we broadcast every game except if it's uh, ABC or TNT. But ESPN, we try to uh, do our best to to bully those guys out of the way. Yeah, I but bounced yeah, back and forth. I felt, I felt cheated now. No, no, I'd say you know we need to get the word out. I was Just there for you. Big boys allegedly come in doesn't mean that we uh, step mm. aside. I mm. wasn't there for you, Bowler. You're flying solo. No I went pilot. back and forth just to see what the other guys were saying. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing I notice. Um, a lot of people want to see what the national right. uh, voices have to say, and I'm not sure what they say because I'm, I'm doing You're doing thing. your own thing. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of hear a little bit of uh, a little chatter. 
But uh, I thought it was a great game last night, you know, without Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, Joe Ingles, uh, team defense, depth, bogey, Rudy Gay. Played a played really, I thought, um, a game that maybe Jazz fans wanted to see because Gobert is such a centerpiece of what the Jazz do, and there's always a lot of concern whether or not you know Utah plays a high level of defense. But I thought they manned up pretty well against uh, the Nuggets last night. Look, Jokic is really amazing player. He really, really is. He nearly had another triple double. But um, I thought the Jazz played man defense. Uh, really well, and they seem to be on page despite the fact that Eric Paschal flew in just hours before the game and they had to make some changes knowing that Whiteside wasn't going to play after he went through shoot-around. So, um, you know, salute Quinn and his staff for adjusting and uh, making it happen last night. Uh, just for the record, Jokic did go for the triple-double. He did get to the 11 yeah, assists. 26-21-11, yeah, a massive game. I'm Got curious... I'm curious with the Jazz. There were a few things that happened there. Uh, one, Bogey went off, 36 points, but only one three-pointer made. He was one of six. Yeah. Uh, he and Royce O'Neal, Bogey had 13 boards and Royce had 11. Clearly the message from the coaching staff, hey, Rudy's out. We've got to have guys hit the glass. Those two did. And then Clarkson, not just the 18 points, because we've seen him shoot it well. And he was four of seven from three. We've seen that before. But the 18 points, the seven rebounds, a steal, a couple of blocks, he seemed to be everywhere. And so I'm curious, which, which of these things do you find most expected? Which, which of the things did you find most surprising? I think probably Bogdanovich was able to take the game over, uh, despite the fact that Donovan Mitchell struggled. I mean, he was one of nine, right, from downtown. Still, you know, he delivers 17 points. Uh, but I still thought the game flow went to Bogdanovich's uh, advantage, and he wanted the ball, and the, and the Jazz knew he was really the centerpiece of the offense last night. And then on the opposite side, when they went really, you know, forced to go small, look, as Ibuki did, uh, you know, did a job, asked, he went in, made his first career start, and did what he could under the circumstances. But they still had to play a lot of, you know, small ball with Rudy, with Rudy Gay, you know, handling some of the the four and the five spots. But, you know, he seems so calm and confident out there. I, um, I still think he's going to be and is becoming a major part of what the Jazz will do as the season progresses. But, he looks comfortable. It takes time to understand the Quinn Snyder system on the offensive side. But, look, he gets seven rebounds from a 16-year vet, 18 points, and, and a very uh, proficient night, six of nine shooting, but six of those shots were four makes from three. Uh, he looked comfortable. I thought he looked dominant uh, out there, and he looked uh, you know, like he's going to be a big piece of what the Jazz need to do. The trade deadline is just over a month away. I believe they will make a move. I think Joe Ingles is most likely. I'll be sad, but the, I, I I don't know that it's going to happen. This is kind of a gut guess. I'm hoping it doesn't, but nevertheless, I think it might. Um, what do you think? Well, you know, Danny Ainge, who's come in, it's hard to say, uh, CEO of Jazz Basketball, and Ryan hired him obviously for a reason to fine-tune if needed you know, pieces of the jazz uh, and also to save luxury tax money, PK. It's a, it's a great point. You know, I know, you know, talking to DJ a little bit privately, you know, in the conversations you guys have had with Joe, you know, there's, you know, he's been open about it, which, yep. which is really amazing for a player to be at that point in his career where 
maybe he sees the you know the writing on the wall. He knows more than we do on the you know the inside of it all. But you know, Joe Joe's a fan favorite. It's gonna it will always be difficult to see players come and go. It is some are more difficult than others. Joe still has an incredible impact on this team in the locker room. Uh, the grit and grime of who he is and the way he likes to play it with that tough guy attitude on the floor. But again, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, can can you actually? They have to be careful, in my opinion, because it's such a good chemistry. Uh, who do you actually trade for, and how how much does it impact this team, make it better, and does the chemistry stay the same? Those are always dangerous moves for anyone, uh, no matter what sport it may be. But gosh, I'd say it will be tough. Uh, there's only a handful of guys who come in and just make that impact with fans and even the media. PK, you just said it. I mean, you know, you're kind of a hard-nosed guy, right? But yet, oh, yeah. you guys know him well. He's spent how many years now doing the show with you guys and being open about his life and his kids and Renee. And, you know, those are difficult things to see a, a player come and go. Um, but, you know, it, again, those are outside our, our pay grade. And, um, you know, it is it is a win-now mentality, of course, with Donovan and Rudy about a championship and what you have to do uh, to get past the likes of Golden State and the Phoenix Suns. And, um, you know, we'll hold our breath and see what happens, find out together. But, yeah, it's a, the, the clock is ticking on that decision. Greg Bolajak, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, I am curious, do you have any idea how long Whiteside is out for? It's been a concussion. We saw it happen. It wasn't great when it happened. It's been a while now. Is this more serious than we knew? Is he going to be out a while longer? You know, Quinn said last night um, that he actually went through shoot-around. And then all of a sudden, uh, and that's a real test, when you start to get the heartbeat uh, going and you break a sweat, how do you feel? I think some of those concussion symptoms crept back in, and that's the reason why he, he did not play. Uh, meaning that I think, obviously, he's made some progress, but not all the way back. It'll be interesting right on a back-to-back weekend and the travel to Toronto and then back into the States to play Indiana, whether or not he can make a, a quick recovery or not. But you may see the Jazz in the same situation that, as you were last night with Azabuki, who miraculously – comes back from this ankle injury that looked almost, you know, season-ending, honestly, uh, after you looked at some of the, the video replays of it. But, you know, to his credit, he's worked hard to come back. But I think what you saw last night may be uh, something the Jazz have to, to deal with throughout this road trip. But, you know, hoping that Hassan makes recovery and comes back. But they're going to be ultra, you know, like the Jazz in, in any team in concussion protocol. you, you got to make sure he's good and, and healthy and ready to go. As I look at this team, I'm more focused on them than the opponent each night because I think if they play well, you know, they've got an excellent shot to win. And if they don't, you know, probably they don't. And we saw that with the Warriors against the Mavericks. The Warriors didn't make shots, they lost. You know, it's going to happen. But the thing that got me most excited about Denver is that they needed guys to step up, whether it be rebounding or scoring. And those are, you know, two obviously significant areas. And they did. And uh, Gay was able to step up his game a little bit. So we were talking earlier this morning about how you view the Jazz in the immediacy, who they're playing, how they're playing, do they win. But then you also, so you got one eye on that, but you also have an eye on the postseason. 
you know, what's going to happen when we get there. We know it's coming. We're excited for it for when it gets here. And we know ultimately that's how the team is going to be judged. And right. so when I watch this game, the thing that got me most excited is that they have guys capable of stepping up. They have more guys capable of stepping up than they had last year. So that gives me a higher level of excitement for the postseason. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally on board with that that PK. Um, you know, they went out and made big decisions on on Rudy Rudy Gay and then Hassan Whiteside. I would say, and he's even admitted that he had you know a, a non typical Hassan Whiteside year in Sacramento. Uh, this is kind of you know don't overplay it, but as he's you know it's a rebirth. I mean, I think he's found again the right system and a mentor. Um, that he likes the competition, I should say, uh, working against uh, Rudy. Uh, and they've become really a, a, one of the strongest, if not the best, two big tandem in the NBA. But to your point, I like the depth. I thought last night proved a lot of doubters wrong. I know that Jamal Murray wasn't on the floor, and they've had their issues as well. But look, this league is not going to change much, right, over the next month. Uh, you may get a healthy uh, – you may get health – full team strength sometime after the all-star break and then you start to really play but who really is going to be involved in postseason play and who's resting players zion down in new orleans i think probably white white risk it again uh with the foot so i mean you're going to run into teams that won't be at full strength but those that are fighting for playoff position or if they're really interested in the three the four the five the six seed whatever it may be you may you may come up against full strength teams, but I think the Jazz proved a lot to themselves. PK last night, something they may have needed in a big way, that with Rudy off the floor and Hassan, the continued experimentation of small ball, and the fact that they are getting better at it, understanding what has to be done uh, on the defensive end, and taking into account themselves to play D and not just think that Rudy's there. And even Quinn said it. You know, he's not there to clean up your mistakes or to protect you. You know, he's there to channel in and let, you know, and, and, and help. But you still have responsibility as a player to play defense. And I thought last night may have been a turning point with that, with that, that comment that Quinn made. And I think it's spot on. Ten straight road wins for the Jazz, and they've got three more on this road trip. Uh, it seems ridiculous to say 5-0, and oh, but Denver was the only team with a winning record when the trip started. Right. So right. should Jazz fans be thinking 5-0? and oh? Well, Toronto, you know, that's kind of one of those un- unpredictables, but uh, they've, they've been winning of late. And Indiana has, uh, you know, is, is a team – that you you know you just can't predict. It's a back to back too, right? And yeah. you don't know how fatigued this team is going to be, or after one player is, has entered into health and safety protocol, is there others to follow? That to me is going to well, be the biggest. It's issue the rare back to back in two countries. How many times yeah. you have that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, two countries. PK, <laughs> you know, get across the border and can you get back in? I mean that. That's that's probably a concern that no one has to go to health and safety protocol during that trip, right, to go across and come back in. Uh, and then, of course, you always think Detroit's the, record-wise the worst team in the NBA, but that's the final game of a five-game week-long road trip, and it's on. You know, that, those are so unpredictable because you want to get home. But this month is a test. March is a big test with, the, with multiple road games and long road trips, mind you. And... Uh, but I think the way the Jazz are playing it, if they try to take it, I know it's 
it's that old adage of one one game at a time. But I think this time of year, with what's going on with COVID and injuries, I think you do have to just say, hey, who's available? <laughs> Raise your hand. And then just map out your game plan and go play. And I think that's what Quinn and, and the staff did a, a very good job of last night. Well, they need to win against Toronto because I've been saying for weeks now, since literally the beginning of the season, that they will have a stretch in which they go 17-3. and And I'm freaking one game away from it. So they got to make me look good. You know what, PK? You said it. Shall it be done? So <laughs> it's got to be. Yes. And then I can brag about it the rest of the season. Yeah, you said, look, man, I told you so. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, hey, fourteen and three on the road. I mean, those are Stockton Malone type of of uh, numbers being built right now. Those are the mid nineties type of performances that we're seeing in the league. <clears throat> Pretty impressive. Uh, it really is. Don't, don't people can't underplay that because you know everyone knows, and you guys have traveled. I've traveled, and and the road. You know, it sounds like oh wow, you guys are, you know. In L.A., uh, you got to keep the focus, and you have to put things out of your mind. And I, I think this team just is, is uber-focused away from maybe home responsibilities and some of the pressure, too, that with Jazz Nation, it's about a championship. It's, it's about you know making that next step and the win-now mentality. But I think there's a sense of more, I think Donovan said it, that they understand themselves and there's a bond that continues to grow on the road. Sounds a little, you know, sophomoric, you know, when it comes to making statements like that. But in reality, that's who they are. And if you're galvanized on the road, so be it. And what they call, you know, hey, look, what they've gone through the last two and a half years you know, it's worthy of a movie and a book for the entire NBA. But the Jazz seem to have embraced the fact that they're in this together. And they do have a goal. And I'm sure all teams do. But there's just something different about the Utah Jazz and what they want to accomplish before this team would be, TK, as you mentioned, changed, changed up. Or do they stay with what they have and add a piece uh, if you move younger players or draft picks to achieve, you know, the body or the the player that you need to to make it happen, but they they do have a common goal, and it's um, I do respect that because it's real. Where does he get the ring first, Ryan Smith, RSL or the Jazz? <laughs> you know, RSL fans would say that's their, their turn. I think the Jazz. Look, this this city. Won't you agree, man? I'd say we'll drive. I know you'll be driving a truck, PK. DJ, you'll do, you guys will do the show somewhere on the road. We'll take it from here to, to Heber, to St. George and back. You sound like that guy that, that guy in the guitar. I'm on the mountain in Snow Canyon, you know? A big old tires. How about yeah. Cash? I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that one, too. You've been all over the map. You had that a little earlier. You got a little uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, <laughs> yeah. PK with a 17-3, right. and, and you let, let it be said, let it be written, let it be so. That'll be done, yes. Well, TK has that thing about him. You know, there's a little glow yeah. around TK. Well, we got to have some kind of religion if you're going to live here. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> All right, Bowler, we appreciate a few minutes. Sorry, I didn't know you were on TV and I was locked down on the national <laughs> broadcast. I said, seriously, I got bored with them. <laughs> Look, man, 
DJ, promise me, look at the schedule, and right by ESPN is AT&T Sports. I don't know why I got fooled, because I know that the ESPN deal is different than the TNT deal. Yeah, yeah. But I got fooled yeah. anyway. Somebody said, oh, it's on ESPN. I'm like, no, no, okay, well, common, Bob's got the number. common, like, oh, really, you guys are on last night? Yeah. The only games that, uh, that again, the league or the, the contract stipulates is uh, exclusivity with TNT and ABC. And uh, luckily, though, during the playoffs, we can do side-by-sides in the first round. Luckily, yep. that gives the local affiliates a chance. So I'm looking forward to the postseason, too. But we got a long way to go. Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate it. All right, guys. See you soon. That's Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Jazz. That was game 38. This road trip will mark the halfway point of the season. When the road trip's over, the first half of the season is over. Comes on you quick, man. Yeah, 41 down, 41 to go. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, everything we talked about in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Frank Dolce right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Looking ahead to next season, Tavian Thomas, let's just assume he's back. Cam Rising's back. You do lose one of the best defensive players that's ever played at the University of Utah, Devin Lloyd. But the scene does seem to be set for this team to be really good again next year, don't you think? This is a football team that has significantly fewer question marks heading into 2022 than they did in 2021. With that in mind, with what looks like a staff that should still be intact, and with some terrific young players who really performed well this year. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the South, but I think it's still a conference and a division that Utah can dominate, especially this coming season. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com DJ and PK, it is time to bring you up to date on all the stuff we've been talking about. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free in-home estimate or free second opinion. We actually haven't talked about this. This is new. What? But I just saw this here. Kyle Whittingham was at a press conference. I think it was one of his Monday press conferences late in the season. And people, it might have been before the Colorado game, because people weren't asking about the Colorado game. They were asking about everything else they were <laughs> doing stories on. And he got asked about the transfer portal. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly how he phrased it. Either we're already at 1,000 or we had 1,000 last year and it's going to go. But basically it was, yeah, how, how many people are going to be in it? It's like, oh, well, we've done 1,000 before and this is going to be even higher. Uh, it's, it's been nuts before and it's really going to go crazy now. Paraphrasing, but that was the gist of it. And uh, this account on Twitter here, NCAA Transfer Portal, at Rivals Portal. Since someone asked, there have been a total of 1,498 FBS entries since August 1st. Scholarship and walk-on. I don't know how many of the 461 non-scholarship players have found a new home, but uh, very safely guarantee it's far less than 31%. I don't know why they went with 31%, but that, that number, that's two players short of 1,500 players in the portal. That's a phenomenally high number. Okay, yeah, but that's the reality of the world in which we live. I'm over it. <laughs> right? Think there's a bunch of game changers in there? Or a bunch of those guys need to go off and play. Well, football's a different sport, though. I mean, you, you don't necessarily need an individual game changer in and of himself, but if you have a need at that particular position and this player comes in and fills it, he can be a great addition to your club. 
that you really, really need. And especially the thing being, you know, the Utes, they're going to lose two linebackers, right? When they get the Barton kid and he's all world and took, uh, you know, I spoke to the mom and he took all these visits all over the place. So expected to be pretty good, but still an unproven commodity. So get yourself a more proven commodity if you're in a position to challenge for your league title or depending on who you are, maybe challenge for the league or or the uh, 14 playoff. Right. So you get somebody who may not be. 10 years from now, the better player in the NFL, but he's better than a freshman. Right now. Yeah. And game one's in Florida. Yeah, and you've got a team, I'm just using use as an example, but any team, whatever team you want, you've got a pretty good team, but you need help at that particular position. So he may not be a in on his own a game changer, but when you plug him into everything else... He's a real important contributor to what you're trying to accomplish. And if we learned anything, which we should have already known, but it was really driven home in the Rose Bowl, your twos have to be very good. Maybe you need to be three deep at so some position. So you say Makai wasn't very good because he was a like two. Your second string guys. He was need literally to be a two. Very good. He's a two. Who's a two? Bernard. He's he, literally a two. Well, he might. Okay, the number two. Yeah. <laughs> he wears the jersey number yeah, two. Yeah, he is a two. Yes. Yak knew where I was going. <laughs> I was thinking that he's... You both are self-admitted he's non-Jersey be, guys, though. He's got to be like fifth string. Yeah, oh, but, no, uh, Jersey numbers are see, not my you, strength. When you're out on an island... But, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like oh, that. Oh, okay. Good. Here we go. <laughs> That's good. And he was, out, he was out on the field. He was on plenty of islands. He was on, like, how many Hawaiian islands and Caribbean islands? Seemed like he was on a whole bunch of them. <laughs> After playing that game, he needs some time on an island. He had to be a little gassed. So yeah, obviously you need you mean as many quality players as you can get. Especially then you need a whole new roster when you get to the bowl game because half of it's not going to show up anymore. Right? That's <laughs> <laughs> college football. I, 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 you asked me on Monday if I felt vindicated about people in the Rose Bowl. What I feel vindicated about. And how I said it was going to be a phenomenal experience, and it was. People, so many people really didn't care that they lost the game because it was so entertaining. And I get it. And part of it is a little self-defense. D- but nevertheless, it, it was an awesome experience. But I feel vindicated now because I've been saying for years that college football is the most hypocritical thing we've got in sports with the student-athlete being Passing college basketball. Because yeah, the yeah. student-athlete, where it really started to bug you in the early days of the show, you would always, we'd get to March Madness, and in those days we had multiple teams going every year. I think one year, maybe our first year, I think there were four teams. And, and you're like, questions for the student athlete. Oh, please. But it was more a basketball thing than a football thing. Yeah, it was. But you think football surpassed basketball? Basketball's been dirty for so long, I don't know when it was ever clean. It wasn't. Not right. So that's no, all it was. I've you can known. literally go back to the 50s. Yeah. City College in New York was in a point shaving scandal. Right, and I've been on the campus of City College of New York. Had a kid. My mother worked there. Had a kid. In Harlem, New York. And football, college football, I I heard some sport or some show yesterday. I was flicking around, and there's 17 sports channels on my Sirius radio, and they were actually talking about. They were asking E.J. Manuel, and he didn't quite get the question of what where the guy was going with. But he was basically asking him, would you be okay if universities had teams, but they, they didn't go to school? They weren't really students. 
You the, major in football. That's where we're going. Yeah. I mean, they're already majoring in football. And, and EJ. <laughs> I'm just saying. It makes it, I know what you mean. Now. Get yeah. the, he kept saying, I wouldn't change a thing about my experience, blah, blah, blah. He didn't quite get what the what the point was. He was, the, the other guy was literally, they were doing a show together. The other guy was literally asking, would you have been okay going to Florida State? Because that's where he went, and he succeeded Ponder, I think, is the quarterback. And would you have been okay if you didn't have to go to class? And it was your Florida State team, but you weren't students. And I'm thinking, will we ever get to that point? Then it becomes a total joke. They're employees. That's where it's going. But at that point, I won't get on anybody if you decide you're a fan of whatever and you never took one class at the school. We get to that point, all bets are off. Well, I think we're headed there. I just don't think we're headed there very quickly. That, that, that can't be. That can never be. You can't have that. They've got to take classes. Right. Even if they're going towards a major... Every one of them can major in sociology. That's right. great. But you've got to have... And, and, I'm, and I also was thinking, why would you want that as a player... Do you want your whole life to be exclusively football people? You don't know Johnny, the guy you met in science? Yeah, but you're not meeting now because you're online. And players are overwhelmingly... campus activities. Nothing. If I go to a campus, it's like I'm in a ghost town? No, I'm talking about as far as the players having the time to participate in all those activities. Maybe not during the season, but something, sometime. Something you, in the offseason. Okay, I had I'll give friends you friends who were on the football team at NAU and ASU. I know. I didn't have any who were You Grand and Canyon. I stood there and talked to Jalen Johnson and said, you, you graduated in three and a half years. You're the model student. You're going to the NFL in three years. You're the model football player. But do you ever get to have the college experience? And he just shook his head and said, I, I don't really have time. And that's a shame. I know. I agree. But he had his goals, and his parents wanted him to get the degree, and he did too, yeah, I guess. But, he wanted to go to the NFL in three. So, you I, know, how I, many goals? You can't, you can't have it all. You can, yeah, but I still think you can have the college experience in a sense. There's parties and whatnot. I'm, yeah. They're, yeah, they're doing they're, that. Yeah, there's some. You're right. I mean, there's some. I mean, that's what happened with Aaron Lowe. That's where I, he was at. I didn't want right? to bring it up, but you're right. I know. That was what I went to now, right I don't away. know if it was a college party. I have no idea. Yeah, but it was the college people. But it was next people. to the campus. Yeah, it was two miles from campus. I have I to right believe there were. Yeah. I would want them to have that experience. Now, obviously, that's a I trend agree, you don't want. But no, but have, three and a half. Mingle with the student Three and a half population. years of all work but no play. I mean, you're in college. You get to go to you get to go to the pie and order pizza. You go get to, to go basketball to, game. You get to go to brick out. Go yeah. to softball game. Exactly. Whatever, yeah. and just hang out with your classmates. But they spend a lot of time in that football I, I facility. That. They watch the the amount of film players watch would blow the public away. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot of time. I, I get that, but it's it, they're lifting at six o'clock in the morning. They used to do Sunday night shows, and the SAD said. Well, once they started moving the lifts to 6 a.m., nobody wants to be up at that hour. If you can tape an interview, and now we Zoom them so they don't have to drive down to the station. Um, but it's like the, it's, they're, they're in the weight room every day at 6 a.m. I mean, it's, it's a grind. I see them. I'm in the weight room at 5. That a kid, and you're the man. I pump before I come here. Oh, stop. I would do that and also blow off having seniors give up their last semester of high school. Yeah, that's a great example of what, what a grind it is. For what? So this that Costelli they, did it. So that they can learn. Turtle did it. So for that, what? So that they can learn they want to transfer more quickly. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it boils down to. I know it does. That's exactly what it does. They get up here. They do spring ball. They do fall camp. They see where they fall on the depth chart, and they're out. 
Ah, you could do it in the fall, in August, and then the season. Go spend the last portion with your buddies and and do whatever you do and blow off class or whatever and have a great time. You get the rest of your life to be a freaking adult. Believe me, being an that adult is, is super that hard. Is, that is. Let me uh, tell you about it, people. <laughs> <laughs> that I want to get a job in high school, and my dad, who had worked all the way through high school, said, "No, you're gonna have the rest of your life to work. You're not doing it." Mm-hmm. Well, how'd you buy your smokes? <laughs> he gave me the money. Okay, okay, <laughs> and I didn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's true for kids of this generation, but for kids of our generation, there was quite a bit of conflict over that. Did you ever smoke? You ever One put time. a cigarette to your lip? Uh, not a cigarette, a cigar. Oh, I thought he was going to weed there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, college poker game. You did cigars. Yeah. So on my baseball and, team, and we used to do it on Saturday nights. Really? Cigars, and we'd go to some place where the parents were gone. Stupid college kids. Those things are nasty. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> but I, was I can recall doing kid. it uh, on Saturday nights in baseball. Somebody would have poker, and we'd break out the cigars. And you would do that even after the one experience with dipping, which that didn't completely turn you off to everything. No, because dipping was inside your mouth. Yeah. The cigars, you can kind of go the Bill Clinton. I didn't and inhale. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to, I but didn't even want to be so, the outcast, so I'd kind of hang it out yeah, there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Just choking like a dog. Yeah. So, yeah, I did that. I didn't, yeah, I just would put it in my mouth and not really inhale as far as that goes. I don't, but I remember doing it, whereas the one time I did the dip and I saw stars because it was like I couldn't fake it. And I didn't want to fake it because I had other guys who did it and they swore by it. And what's the big uh, deal? Don't do that. And that, that, I literally only did that one time. Yeah. And that was just not going to happen in my life. It made no sense to me. Plus, I had my sister. Don't smoke. Don't smoke. Because my parents and my other that sister was what I was. That's what I was getting to. All their lives. My, my parents didn't, but the grandparents did. And so there was that, even when I was four years old, five years old, early memories of battles over that. Battles. I have a picture of my parents at my mother's high school prom, Mm -hmm. and at the bottom, they've got cigarettes. Yeah. And they both smoked into their 70s. And both lived in their 80s. And then my father-in-law got lung cancer from smoking and was dead at 59. So one of the dumbest arbitrary rules you will ever hear. So my mom is probably about junior high or high school, and the family is at the beach in San Diego. They grew up in San Diego, too. And uh, my grandmother is, uh, looks across the beach and gets in total judgmental mode. Look at that grandmother over there smoking. That's just horrible. And my mom, who's been nagging her for years to stop smoking, is like, you literally have a cigarette in your hand right now. How can you possibly say that? I mean, it's go time. So Althea called her out. Called her out. Nice. It is go time at the beach. Nice. And, and my job, grandmother Althea. And my grandmother turns and says to her, shut the hell up? Close. Oh. <laughs> close. Very close. Shut the bleep up? Very close. Wow. The James family. That's, this wasn't the James this family. This wasn't. No. No. The, my grandmother says the to her. The Hendersons got my nasty. My grandmother says to her, that's different. I'm not a grandmother. And so my mom just completely loses her mind. And so... And she told you this story. My mom told me this story. My grandmother never brought was this up. Was it on uh, family night she so, told you? So, probably. Yeah, okay. So my, my mother tells me later that uh, I'm the oldest grandkid. And, I'm bo- and my mom... Explains a lot. It does. And my mom... <laughs> 
says, uh, and she's pregnant with me, and she's going to drop it. My grandmother's still smoking. She's going to drop the hammer. She remembers the beach thing, and she's holding on to this thing for years. And Oh, wow. And I'm born, and my grandmother quits cold turkey when I'm born. My mom never got to drop the hammer on Just it. Just for you. No, I think it was the concept of a grandmother. It happened to be me, but whoever it had been, it would have been. The concept of grandmother shouldn't smoke. Somehow stuck with my grandmother, and she quit cold turkey. But weird. I mean, that's that, that story. I'm like that is a she weird. She drank story. a lot more cold turkey. <laughs> she did not drink cold turkey. <laughs> <laughs> she, however, had a great sense of humor and probably would think it was funny. You just said that. My grandfather would just shake his head, but my grandmother would laugh. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5. Yeah, which grandmother is now? This? Now Yak is just like doing all kinds of psychoanalysis on me. You can't. I wait just want to which side of the family this is. This, this is all mom's side. Okay, this is all mom's side. side. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 zone. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. Here's what is great about what George Klyukov said. I love the brutal honesty. I mean, if you can't look at a situation and assess it and and call it what it is and say what it is, you're never going to improve. If you're constantly putting a bandaid on it and say, "No, we're we're in a good spot. We're just you know, just give us another year. Just give us you know, it's a building year. You know, but but man, next year things are going to be good. Next year never comes around. And when you can come out and make a very clear, very bold, very accurate, and very honest statement, that's really kind of the first step to like making change. Unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time now for your feedback. And the feedback of the day is brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Well, not everyone liked that, PK. What? Stay Swifty tweets at us. I just wasted my drive to work listening to golf. Really? <laughs> yeah, I get it. A lot of folks don't really like golf. They don't want to hear it. I understand that. We don't do a lot of golf. We can do a little bit. There are a lot of golf fans out there. You were talking earlier about the RSL sale and the fact to you that it's going for $400 million-ish. For everything combined, the team, the Monarchs, the stadium, the training facility, and the 5,000-seat stadium at the training facility. But altogether, it's $400 million. And that's three teams now that have sold in the last six months in that price range, give or take $50 million. The league's here to stay. There's interest in it. It's viable. People who have a, read it. a lot of people who have a lot of money are doubling down on this. I think it's great news. Uh, reading up here in some of the commercial breaks, the guy who's buying RSL, David Blitzer... Um, worked with a guy in a Sixers sale, and, and Blitzer owns part of that team. And one of the guys who advised him owns uh, a part of DC United. So these connections, you know, he's gotcha. not going off just what he knows. He's got people inside the business who are like, oh, yeah, dude, get in, get in on it. I'm this. sure he's done his homework right. completely, yeah. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing for golf. Look at the money it generates. Look at the TV networks that run to it. Look at the co- companies and All the right, sponsors the, well, that run to it. But the golf tour... Versus the golf industry is two different things. And I don't know that RSL or MLS and soccer are... Symbiotic in the same way. golf business is a billion-dollar business, Mm -hmm. separate from the tour. Yes. I don't know that soccer 
kids playing soccer or what have you is a billion dollar oh, yeah. business. You know what I was going to go to is tell you that um, the billion dollar business is English Premier League, which is a right, massive right, right. business in the U.S. separate from MLS. So there are all these phases of the sport, and this phase is big, or that phase makes this much. Golf but the thing is, is an built, unhealthy addiction. We've built our show. <laughs> we've built our show, and our show is branded Jazz Cougars Utes. For sure. Jazz Utes Cougars, Cougars Utes Jazz, Cougars Jazz. You know, in, in some order, depending on how the teams are performing. I mean, we just had two weeks. Taco of, salad, meatloaf, <laughs> cheeseburgers. It's all the same meat. So I get that <laughs> the non-golf fan is like, hey, I dialed, it, I dialed you up for Jazz and Utes and Cougars, and you broke. You went outside the brand. I get it. As it's far, always risky to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of feedback here about the Jazz win, and hey, the Nuggets were without Murray. So... People are saying they're missing their guys, too. Let's not get too excited. And we won't, but it was a good win for that night. And in the NBA, can you do it again? Can My you, thing Toronto is to and have Indiana. options. And right. with Bogdanovich and Rudy Gay stepping up, that bodes well right. for the postseason. Those two scored it, and Bogey and Royce O'Neal went out and rebounded it. And that was also good to see. And you need options. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Coming up next, Jake and Ben right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.